Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is it. Nice to be we've back. Got the three hosts on the podcast at one time and a guest. It's the first time we've done that. We did, we did our solo podcast, didn't we? Uh, three of us. But now yeah. we've got a guest. First time uh, with a guest, yeah. Exactly. The, uh, the guest is a special one as well. Creator of the merchandise, the brand new Creative Waffle merchandise out now. Uh, creativewaffle.club slash shop or, or Redbubble or, uh, yeah, just... It's in the description of the podcast if you want to go and check it out. But uh, you've probably seen it on the social media if you if you follow us. But uh, yeah, Geo Law, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's nice to be back. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh, when you cut this together, you're going to put in like an applause at the start and all that kind of thing. Oh, oh, so a hiss. Um, is this a hiss? So is this like a a premiere then, like a creative waffle premiere of? Three hosts and a guest. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pretty good. And the merch. So, and the merch. <laughs> Don't forget the merch. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, That's a nice no, way to kick though, off we, August. We, we just, I'm just, I'm so proud of of what you've done there for us because it's, uh, yeah, it's such a cool design and well, there's three of them. Um, yeah, and it's a really nice, uh, unique family of, of of clothing there and uh, all other products as well. You got mugs and everything, badges, everything, but um, phone cases, notebooks. You know, go check it out. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's great, and I, I loved. Obviously, you made it really easy. You, you know how to work with, uh, you know, how to work with people, and came up with the ideas after we had that call. And uh, yeah, it's so easy, so easy to work with you and recommend you to people. Uh, Thank you. Like, so I really wanted to awesome. contribute. I really wanted to contribute to like the podcast because you know I've been listening and like when did we when did we talk to each other? Was it like a year ago or two years ago? Well, originally about uh, about what. Uh, when we first started talking to each other, it was like like two years ago. So I've seen it grown, and mm. I've seen like all the people that you've like networked with and such. So it's kind of like nice to see, and it's kind of nice to be part of. And like I was saying earlier, like you have like partners now, you know, you're all working together, and it's just it's great. So as soon as like you know you, you kind of mention you might need some merch, I'm like, give it here, I'll have it, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's wicked. And I just I remember, just remembered you got the GLR in the background as well, there. Yeah. Still up there. Featuring in each and every podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> part of the show. And you, you, know, you did the live show as well. So, yeah, definitely part of the fabric of the show. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you want to talk about? Uh, uh, keep, yeah, so... keeps dropping out. You're right. My... Uh, yeah, you know, I think we're right. We're good, sorry. I think it's just no. for, coming, up, coming through my end. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. it's, doing, it's doing the same for me. Uh, well... This is this is perfect for what I want to talk about. This is perfect for what I want to talk about, which is which is lockdown life. And I don't know how many of you guys had like Zoom calls, like for work and social Zoom calls, but Zoom has been like the kind of theme of the lockdown for me. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I so, so during the lockdown or just before the lockdown, I had lo- loads of projects on uh, a couple of projects that were pretty big. They weren't, they weren't past the first phase yet, but we were in, you know, talks and such. And I had other jobs on as well. And then as soon as the lockdown kind of like kicked in, those major jobs were just, they got shelved. And as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, they're probably never going to come back. And so I went back to my, I went back to my mum's in Sheffield. So I'm based in London right now, but luckily enough, I you know, I had, I had like the opportunity to just go back to Sheffield for a little bit and stay with my mum in a nice quiet house, lots of room. So I did that. But then like after a week, I kind of started to think, 
oh, you know what? Like, I'm not going to be able to see my friends and stuff, so that's going to suck. And then with the Zoom calls and the house party, did anyone use the house party app? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was <laughs> right. kind of like, oh, this is kind of. Yeah, right. So it's quite like, so it was quite fun being able to connect with friends again and the novelty of like, oh, we can't see each other, but we're all using like digital technology and all mm. that kind of thing. And then after like maybe a couple of weeks, I was getting like, not anxiety, but kind of like thinking, I don't want another Zoom call like to catch up or another Zoom call for work. I'd rather just an email. An email is totally fine. Because uh, half the time I don't even like audio phone calls anyway with a client because I have to take notes. And But if they email stuff over, you don't have to take notes. It's always there. Mm. So it got to the point where I was just like, oh, I really want to get away from like screens. And then you start to notice all the little things you can't do on Zoom. So like, if you're in a Zoom meeting and you're sat there, you're consciously like on camera. I know you can like switch yeah, off the yeah, camera yeah. and stuff, but then you think, what are they going to think if I'm switching off the camera? So you have to like constantly look like you're listening, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're sat in a meeting, you're always just kind of like slouching and like, you know, like on your phone or whatever. But when you constantly see all the faces, it's like you're looking at how everyone else is. So it's kind of interesting, but just kind of weird. Um, yeah, we all had that moment where we tried to like go on social media whilst whilst being in a meeting with someone. Like, we all we all yeah. done that. Like, we yeah, like, pretending you were interested in uh, going on to Google Chrome, going on social yeah, media. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're still looking at the person on camera. Yeah, yeah. I nod more on Zoom than I have ever in person. I'm just always bobbing my head along, making sure that yeah. I seem attentive. <laughs> It's also the art of yeah. when to cut, when to cut in at the right time, and when That's to stop. Mm-hmm. And then, key, especially for podcasts. Imagine doing like what we've done probably like twenty podcasts during this lockdown. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. That's, that's good though. That's good productivity. So anyway, just back to like my point. With with Zoom and like constantly being in contact with all these people in a short space of time, I decided like you know what I'm going to I'm just going to take myself out of this and just kind of. Not ignore people, but just politely decline, uh, like meetups and things, and just kind of. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna isolate in another way. Uh, we were all isolating, but I was gonna like digitally isolate. So that kind of meant I'm gonna try just getting off social media for a week, and I'm gonna try just resetting everything because I was a little bit bummed out about losing those jobs at the start, which I'm sure thousands, you know, of mm-hmm. other other creatives probably felt the same way. And it got me thinking about, well, actually, this is probably the only time in my life where I've lost work, but like everyone else has at the same time. So I was kind of in it with other people. And in a weird way, I kind of felt some comfort in that, that this is totally out of my control. This whole like lockdown situation and what's going on with what was going on with the pandemic at the time was almost like. In, you know, like in old terms, you call it an act of God. It's like nothing you could have done about it. I think and it so really it kind of applies to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I'm one of those people. I really struggle with like the whole idea of FOMO and like fear of missing out. But yeah. the idea that everybody was going through the same thing, as much as it's horrible to like, be glad that everybody's going through it, it did make me feel better. Like it's not, it's not like it's just me that's suffering and like struggling with it. It is something that you can't control. It's it's getting it's got everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking about every time I lost a job, I lost a job to someone else, or if I didn't get a job, or if someone else got a job, that it was always like so egocentric, like oh why not me? Why didn't I get that? Yeah. 
and it just kind of it kind of made me question my ego and made me question a lot about myself like how i react yeah. to things internally and then how it's always like it's always like i don't know like oh i, I deserve that but really <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, it's just this little bubble that you kind of live as a creative person or as a, as a freelancer because you're on your own. You are your own boss, your, fi your financial advisor, your HR, you are everything. So no wonder at times you kind of forget that you're worried about all aspects of your company rather than just one aspect of the company. You have to bring in the work, you have to pay yourself, you have to pay the bills, you have to do your admin, you have to do the work, you have to meet the client, you have to send those emails, you have to get on those calls, get on those Zoom calls, you have to do all that stuff. And so the only kind of like, the joy you get out of it is A, getting one of those good jobs and then B, doing a good job and then C, getting the adulation and the recognition for it because it's like, it's a lot of work. And these are the, th these are the kind of things that I was thinking about during lockdown because it kind of gave me that it was like a four enforced sabbatical where I could just sit back, research things, read, watch cartoons, play video games, draw if I wanted to, but just take an, a real step back, which is something that I'd never done. And it's something that I always say I do every year. Oh, I go away on holiday for two weeks or three weeks, and I, you know, I'll, I'll see friends in London or I'll see friends in New York or whatever. But that's not really taking a step back. Taking a step back is when you have nothing to kind of really do or think about. And so what do you do if you're so used to doing stuff every day? You have to kind of train yourself to really just step back and take stock. And I noticed a lot of interesting things during the lockdown amongst lots of different creatives. More people were kind of like venturing out of their comfort zone and trying different things like making gifts. People that, you know, would say, I can't animate, but they were doing that. Or people using their illustrative skill to kind of convey how they felt about the lockdown, about, you know, uh, protecting the NHS, stay home, stay safe. People were kind of like using the zeitgeist of what was floating around as a muse, which I thought was really good because more illustrators kind of need to do that and focus away from just trying to get commercial work. Commercial work is great, like, because it pays your bills. But I think the best artists that I kind of that I noticed were the ones who were just really comfortable developing their voice and just, you know, like using their voice to express like the sign of the times, you know, via like funny artwork, like thoughtful artwork. And it kind of got me thinking, that's that's what I've always been trying to do in the back like behind all of my commercial work. But I get pulled into the loop where I want to do personal stuff, but then a client comes in great i do the work two three week cycle sometimes a month and by the time that's done maybe another job's landed in so like, okay cool and then before you know it it might be two or three months before i have quiet time and then i can mm. just work on these personal projects and then ironically i'm too tired i'm too like unmotivated to work on those things i'm just like i'll just play some ps4 or something like that mm. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. so this time I, I i start to recognize it as this is gonna. This I'll never have this time again. So, I'm gonna. This is for me, and I kind of like utilized it. I think pretty well. I think the idea was. I spoke to other illustrators, and one of my really good friends, Johnny Wan, brilliant illustrator, is repped by CIA. He's repped by Snyder, New York. Yeah, we want to get him on the podcast, but and uh, he'd be an interesting guy to talk to, actually. But he'd be a really interesting guy to talk to, and he kind of came, he kind of came out like, in the same way as me that 
by the time that lockdown ends, he'd like to have felt that he'd gained something rather than, than, than like lost something. So like, like mm-hmm. in some ways he wanted to like level up. So he was like mentally prepared and kind of emotionally prepared for like, yeah, great back to work. But I have new ideas and a new outlook on how yeah, I can approach yeah. the work. And I think this is something that's really important when you start off as like a young designer, illustrator, whatever, you're on the kind of conveyor belt of you're getting work, you're getting recognition, you're doing all your admin, you're doing this, this and that. And then later on, you have to think about your voice and your approach, like how important your skills are, not just to sell someone else's product. If you can sell someone else's product, then what about selling someone else's idea that's like for a charitable cause? And I think during lockdown, I think a lot of people realized when Black Lives Matter came about, it brought this like, it brought this like topic to the forefront, which has always been something that I've taken notice and been interested in. But then like with, you know, the George Lloyd um, killing and then mm. the process that happened afterwards, you had this really interesting uh, wave of digital action. Like people were sharing stories, sharing posts, and then artists and illustrators were making work based on it. Now, the one thing I noticed that I felt like I wanted to write about and like write a post about was there were some artists that were saying they felt like they couldn't, they felt guilty that they couldn't create artwork that was, you know, that 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 conveyed how they felt about Black Lives Matters. Maybe because their artwork was too bubbly or too colorful, and they felt like the tone wasn't right. I thought, well, you know, that's fair enough that you identify that that you don't want to offend people because your artwork doesn't have the tone. But I kind of felt like I can understand that. But I think what's happened, what happened with that movement was people were brave enough to stand up and talk about it. And even I saw loads of people kind of admit that this was something that they'd never really thought about, or this has never happened yeah, to yeah. them. And, and, you know, it's like, Oh, I never realized, which I think is the first, it's the first act to kind of like, to kind of uh, help the movement kind of grow traction is to just openly admit, you know, be like, you know what, I don't know everything. And, there's no way I'm ever going to like try and uh, try and pretend I've ever been in your shoes. I can empathize, but I've never been in your shoes. Right. And, and I saw loads of people kind of like come out with statements like that, which I felt were really genuine from them. And I felt also it was brave and illustrators, illustrators and graphic designers can also do the same thing and be brave and just kind of, you know what, this is how I want to say it. Maybe just break style. Maybe the message was more important than style itself. And that was something that I kind of realized as well, that uh, gladly, I, I don't feel like I'm too fixed to style. Like I have many different ways to kind of transition and change it for different things. But a lot of young artists, I notice they're kind of fixated on their style. But that's, that's an industry thing. But that's also mm. an Instagram thing or, you know, like a social yeah, media yeah. thing. There's always which, a rush of finding your style or finding your niche or, or getting like trying to bog yourself down into certain paths. Yeah, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely is. But it, I think what the interesting thing is, you can show, you can show a style. But as long as you can show there's a signature in the style that's yours. So, if you're known for like using cute cuddly characters, those cute cuddly characters could be used in a totally different way. Even if it was like, um, 
maybe I don't know how to describe it. it maybe it's not just the characters itself, but it's the approach. You can always change the approach and it's still your hand that made the work. It's still your vision. And I kind of feel like I've always tried to not pigeonhole myself too much into a style, but then that could be at the detriment of me getting particular jobs. Cause like I know illustrators that have a very good set style that it's their breadwinner. They'll get sellable. jobs to do yeah. like, yeah, it's sellable. They'll get jobs to do packaging for champagne, whiskey. Those are, you know, that's big money. Uh, jobs for banks, all that kind of stuff. And, I don't know. I'd say you have a very specific style. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a specific aesthetic. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, like you can always I always kind of your work. No, thank you. <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. But I think it, what it is like, style is something that you. Style is like an expression and a representation of you, right? So uh, it's a representation of your interests. I always explain to students, um, if you're 18 years old or whatever, you dressed a certain way, right? Like you dressed a certain way because of fashion, your friends, music, or whatever is kind of like working around you, but there's something about you and the way you dress, that's yours, that's your style, right? But you're not going to dress like that for the next five years, are you? You're going to slowly change what you wear. Yeah. Right. And as you get older, like I'm sure like once you finish studying, you've probably learned so much more stuff that you've added to your repertoire and that will add to your outlook and add towards your style and your approach. It's totally the same thing. I don't know any illustrator that created work when they were 20 years old and showed me a drawing. And then like when they're 50 years old, it's the same style, right. it grows. And yeah. so that's the one thing that you have to remember that this is a long game, but this is this this whole career that you you go for is is a long game. So, if this lockdown was like one year or two years, how are you can prepare yourself once the lockdown is over or the pandemic is over in three years, business could pick up again, but you'll have a totally new like outlook on like how you want to approach the work, and it just shows that like. Your style is adaptable, just like your tastes in, in film, music, and culture. So that was something, I think one day I'd like to write a book on it or write like a thesis or like an, like a, an essay on it. Cause I, I find it quite interesting. Yeah, um, interesting. It is yeah. really interesting. I think, I think we, something we've talked about, me and, me and Jakub especially have talked about, and, and you mentioned it there about being long game and, and you, know, you started off by sort of talking about um, what other people are doing and being a bit, um, like, oh, why didn't I get that work? We've definitely talked about that recently, and yeah. uh, obviously, I've, 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 I think I probably made it quite public on the podcast and um, in 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 past social media posts that uh, I had this massive thing where I, th I thought, why why can't I be like the future? Why can't the, this podcast be the, like Christo in the future? Um, and it, it's slowly getting better and slowly realizing, okay, yeah, actually, time and uh, I'm not him. I, I will never be him. I will never. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have his circumstances and his background and stuff. So I'm slowly, you know, I'm slowly starting to realise and actually, you know, because I can say that I've realised it and I can say that, you know, I'm not going to be him and I'm not, I'm not going to be as big as him, but it's actually finally getting into my head a bit now. And I think the first, like, I think it was Monday, uh, no, yesterday and the day before, I went on this walk and I got away from the screen. And I, it's quite a nice little hill up, up near me. And I sat at the top of it and just had a little think and clear my mind. And that's the first time I've done that ever, I think. And, um... Yeah, I really found a bit more content with it all. And it, like, 
it's all just like oh I made a big realization I just it's just it's, it is what it is it, you know we're on our own path and yeah. as as much as we can see other people and uh and what they're doing and social media's you know making you aware in a, in a good or bad way of other people and what they're doing and it's great to build communities and there's so much debate around whether social media is good for you I mean it's I always said it's how you use it, but even to a deeper level of yeah, you know, it's, it's the stuff that you know the platform is built to, to keep you on it in all sorts. But um, but yeah, I, I think I said it to you in a message. Like it's, yeah. it's like less laying down a brick at a time is a day. One day is a brick. That, you know that brick isn't always going to be perfect, and you want you want to have have chips in these bricks. <laughs> I went onto a big analogy. Have like chips and knocks in these bricks, and then um, and then yeah. So it eventually you look back and you've got this massive path yeah. sort of laid out that you've realised that you've done yeah. and uh, you're building your path your own path and not not someone else's path so why are you worrying too much about it and that's what I'm trying so, to teach myself as well I think uh, my my biggest issue is an overall lack of patience or you know yeah. I, it took me a, a while to realise I'm only 23 and I always talk about I want to be where Paula Scher is I want to do what Paula Scher is doing <laughs> And um I'm sorry. Is that a phone for me? Sorry. It's, it's gone now, it's, yeah. it's gone now. I need to get that out of the room. You make a really good point. That, so- that sounds like a yeah. phone from like my my parents <laughs> used to have like, back in the day. Sounds like the office. I think we still have that phone. <laughs> I'm we, sorry, carry, carry on your keep. Uh yeah, the, the whole idea of like I wanna be like you see what Pentagram release, whether it be Michael Beirut, Paul Asher, Eddie Opara. And you and you see all the th- amazing work that comes out of that studio or any studio in particular, and you go, oh well, I kind of want to be where they are, but then you realise how much experience they've had and how long they've had to mm-hmm. to build that brick and build that foundation. Yeah, yeah. You, there's a fine line between like je- being jealous of them and be- mm-hmm. admiring them and respecting them. Right, exactly. And I, I think, think I think I, I sorry, yeah, sorry. no, go for it, go for it. Something that all young creatives suffer with. Because yeah. I think everyone I've spoken to has this problem of, yeah, I think it's sort of like our generation and the whole instant gratification thing that comes with living in a digital world. But or I don't know, it might be something else. But everybody just seems to want everything now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I agree. I'm exactly the same. We were talking about it yeah. um, earlier on in the week. Me and Mark did a different podcast about how I just have no. I I have to remind myself so often. That I'm 22. Like it's okay to not have it all together and not know exactly what I'm doing and making loads of money and right. like people falling over themselves to work with me and stuff like that. Like it's okay. I am only 22. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's but fine. Th- this is the thing I struggle with, right? So we can all say that we can all like believe it up mm. here, but mm. but how much in our bodies do we actually believe that? Do we like actually, right, do, right, like yeah. we can say it on a podcast and be like, oh yeah, that's great. Mm. But then like in in your brain, are you still thinking the other thing? When do we start? You're making me all kind of yeah, and I know that you're making me all feel. Sorry, go. (laughs) So you're making me all feel very long in the tooth. I know. I know you, Gio, talked about on the last podcast. Talked about how you used your twenties as as that learning experience, and then started Mm. coming to your own after that. And uh, do you know? Do you know who else? That podcast made me realize. Oh, that Mm. it's okay to make mistakes and learn from them now. So. You know, I've not even reached my peak yet. I just, I need to remind myself of that constantly. Oh God, if, if I've reached my Do peak already, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> Do you know who else validated what I said? Well, they didn't actively validate what I said on that podcast, but 
I went to a talk with Paula Scher and Mark, you've spoken to Paula Scher, haven't you? And she said exactly the same thing. She laid out a timeline of like your twenties and your thirties and your forties. Yeah. And so like, so earlier I said there, there are tiers to this, you know, like not divisions, but tiers. Right. It's all like different steps. Yeah. And in your early twenties, there is the anxiety of like wanting to become, wanting to become quite established pretty quickly. So then you can, you know, do some great work and such. And I think sometimes like being impatient isn't always a bad thing if you can kind of utilize that energy and that kind of right. gump, that motivation to like just make 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 work mm. and get it out there it's a fine balance though because like you know you got people like steve jobs who were like really impatient and but look what he did but also do you know who else like used to take long walks in in parks mark steve jobs, steve jobs. maybe that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like maybe that's what you're imbuing you're like the next Steve Jobs of podcasting (laughs) but but yeah like do you know what also in my early 20s it was just like I had this pressure from that I put on myself because of my parents you know being from like a Chinese family and a lot of like uh, early 20 year olds from like Chinese families are probably still studying to be doctors and accountants Mm. and whatever and I'm just like working working in the restaurant and drawing and doing the odd like job for a couple of hundred pounds 30 pounds 50 pounds you know my parents are like what is this guy doing like how is he going to ever make a living off this but then thankfully because because the only thing i could do was keep at it yeah and the sad thing was i was always going through the same thing as you've just described as well like that anxiety and that kind of like not panic stricken but kind of that drive like i gotta get there i gotta get there i gotta get it's, there it's an anxiety of ambition that's how i've heard it described mm. before anxiety of ambition that is a good term yeah and and then before you know it you're kind of at a point where you're like oh okay and thankfully i can look back and remember the journey but then that's the one thing you always want when you realize that you kind of hit an area or hit a milestone that you're proud of that you can look back and see how you got there rather than like like you graduate and all of a sudden you're a superstar and then it's like oh okay what happens then i've seen it i've, I've seen it worse young illustrators or artists that are like kind of like elevated high really quickly straight from uni because they've made really really good work you see it like every year you've got like uh, Mm. like young blood new designers whatever all those kinds of things and it puts a lot of pressure on them but it also gives them this expectancy that like oh they're going to fall into work they're going to fall get this work but then i think we've been on a different path where we, I had to make a lot of mistakes to learn like how you talk to clients and how you charge for stuff and how you cover your back. And those lessons are the things that I try and teach other students, but then everyone's journey is like different. I can only tell them how I did it. And the, it, in the context of time when I became a freelancer, it was a totally different time as well. Like we, we didn't really have Instagram. We had Facebook and MySpace. <laughs> and like having a website was really important, which which I guess is still applicable, but it was the attitude towards like what I was doing in my hometown Sheffield was totally different. It was like a, an independent art scene and that's what I was kind of getting into. And that's how I fell into illustration. But I knew illustration was the commercial, the more kind of like viable path if I wanted to turn it into a career. Teaching was just like, for me, it's like a, it's like a part-time uh, adventure to kind of just see what I can do with you know t- like with teaching and, and how i can like reach out to 
students and hopefully help them on their way. But yeah, like when you're in your early twenties and like, you know, like I feel really, I feel really bad for like students that graduated last summer and they had to like go freelance this year. Mm-hmm. And I know a bunch of them that have done it and I've been in touch with them, like just see how they're doing. And you know what, like after seeing like how they reacted by just constantly working, constantly grafting and such, I know they have the right attitude for it. If I'm going to be br- brutally honest, out of a class of like maybe 60 students, you'll all, you'll sometimes notice that there's like a core group or like a small group of like really talented individuals that have, it's not just talent, they've got drive. Yeah. And it kind of goes to show like, you can have talent, but if you haven't got everything else that comes with it, so you could be a great singer. So you, you know, so your parents and friends and people around you say, you're going to be a pop star one day. You've got it. You've got talent. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have like that mental ability to handle the press, uh, be there on time when you have to, and you know, be disciplined, then you can't do it. So it's the same with like what we do. You might sometimes like I've known people, and it's not this is not me being me, but they didn't have like a flair or a talent for this kind of thing to be creative or to like do this work. But they had like gift of the gab, you know, really good talkers, really good at technical stuff, and they can just like figure these things out. And then like in the past ten years, they've then developed to become really good creatives. So it goes right. it goes both ways. And um, we had this really funny um, this really funny group, but uh, funny group, this funny thing that happened in the studio. So we we get like a bunch of uh, students from Sheffield Hallam, uh, the illustration course that come down to London and they do visits, like studio visits. So there's a studio visit where I'm based, which is Mills Junction and Dalston. And I'm in a room, I'm sat in a room with illustrators that uh, I share the room with. So I'm with uh, a guy called Justin Poulter, Pate, uh, John Deval wasn't there, uh, but then like he's in there. And a guy called Al Murphy, like those guys are amazing. I sit next to them and like sitting next to other really good illustrators really makes you realize like, oh, you know, it's it, it it's great like to kind of like do what we do. But they came up with this interesting debate about, is it the work that does the talking or or is it the character of the illustrator? Like you, if you're like a, an interesting person. And this, and it was a very interesting conversation because there was no right or wrong. Right. Because like, I've come across people that are like really charismatic and funny and you know loud flamboyant wear interesting clothing and the work is okay but they get a lot of work but then i know other people that are like really quiet off the grid don't talk to anyone but they get work because their work is amazing so you see these two polar opposites and it kind of you know i have to kind of like say there's no, there's neither like a, a right or wrong way to go about it but then it's it all comes down to like human interaction and how like the people in charge who will who will, who will uh, commission the work depends what they like. Sometimes people love a personality, like Mr. Bingo. He's a personality, isn't mm-hmm. he? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. he swears online. He records funny videos, and he's really, really funny. And he just he just constantly talks and talks and talks. And like you know, I follow him on Twitter, and it just makes me laugh. But then yeah. I see like all these other illustrators that I follow. Then you know, I probably followed like a couple of illustrators for like maybe five years and I've never seen their face. They don't post their face or anything. And so to me, they're just this faceless artistic person that makes beautiful work. But I'll, you know, if I, if we were like a, a gallery opening or something, I wouldn't even know who that person was. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting, like how you try and approach 
uh, your personal brand in that in that kind yeah, of way. This does bring me on to something that I heard on another podcast. Um, actually, it was uh, it was it was a cool podcast that you, you you would like. It was um, it's called the the Rising Youth. The right, the rising. Oh. Anyway, doesn't matter. Sounds good. Um, it's about young young people, and he interview. He's basically young Joe Rogan. He's like twenty two, and interviews people that's been on Joe Rogan. But um, uh, he had Robert Green on, who is like a, I guess a human behavioural uh, studier, um, like a, also like a philosopher, I guess. But anyway, he was talking about reputation, and um, how important that is to people, and, and people don't realise it. Uh, it's from from his book uh, 48 Laws of Power and how to use your, your reputation I think that was part of the reason I've got the job where I'm at now is it's, it's having that reputation that, that because people can see that I'm hungry for stuff people, you know, mm-hmm. I put it on the podcast every week Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a huge part of it I hadn't considered that because I was, I was writing down a, a list of things that uh, reasons why I've, I've got, got the new job because I've I've had quite a few people ask. Um, I want to do a video, and so I can just send them that rather than Hugh to explain it all the time. Um, That's good. <laughs> and, and that didn't come into mind until the other day. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't come into oh, mind. There's um, probably like more people that want to get on the podcast. Maybe more sponsors. Yeah. It's my lawyer it's telling me not to, tell me to shut up. Um, I don't have a lawyer. I don't have a lawyer. Um, I need one. one but uh, if you are a lawyer and listening, we could get you on the podcast and talk about it. That'd be cool. But. Um, it's interesting that, that you said yeah, that you use important. Yeah, reputation. It, it's it's yeah. important, and I don't think people, especially young creatives, don't realise how much companies look at your social media and, and sort of analyse mm. your behaviour, analyse who you are from yeah. your social media. Um, and I, I've seen that, people that yeah, don't do the that, right things on social media, and I can see them getting more mm. and more frustrated of not having work. And I'm constantly mm. thinking, okay, maybe that is because you're acting like that on social media. Yeah. I totally agree. And also, it's like, I've, I can kind of empathize because there are times when, you know, I read those tweets or those mm. statuses and it's like, yeah, I've been there. But like, thank God I've found ways to just kind of find different ways to handle it instead of like going straight to the phone and like wanting to type it to like a thousand strangers. Exactly. <laughs> and like, exactly. I think, you know, this client is a dickhead. Da, 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 da. You know, <laughs> you think you break down that action you know, you kind of think, why Why did I do that? It's because I want these anonymous people to kind of, like, comfort me, you know. And that just kind of goes to show, like, how, how lonely it is. Like, you can't, um, you know, when you work as a freelancer, you're not getting paid. Or, like, you're waiting for, a, you know, an invoice, and that's, that's, like, four months late. And there's just no one to, like, you know, there talk is. to That's, that's the thing, though. You can get have a group, have a WhatsApp group or something off it's of the platform. important to get involved in communities. And yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. You yeah. can have that off of the platform, off of a social, off of like a public yeah. forum. I do it all the time. I have, it, I have loads of people I message for for advice and for for help. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't even think it's just arguing about clients or moaning about clients. I think it's other stuff as well on a on a on a, on a different level. If you're, in my opinion, if you're whinging about anything on social media, maybe <laughs> it comes across as more relatable in some ways. But I think that really can hurt you <laughs> if you're uh, if you're looking for oh, a yeah. job or you know, people start analyzing your your you know what you're posting like if you're complaining about oh it's a really don't know, a really bad had a really bad day at work today and then that's that's all you're posting mm. on social media i think potential employees could be put off by that that's what i'm trying to say mm. i think you need to be very so smart saying, and very careful how people use social media yeah so you're saying that maybe there's a fine balance between like your know, social media can be uh, a professional face right, rather right. than like the personal face maybe 
Maybe it's a thing as well of building up the infrastructure outside the digital world to, to deal with all those things that you moan about. Um, That's what I was about to say as well, is that I think there's a, the real issue that I've noticed on, as I've been more active over the last couple of months on social media. As a designer on Instagram, there's this weird split of are you targeting other designers to talk to other designers about design stuff and... I don't know, like people asking how you did stuff or asking other people how they did stuff or reviewing other people's work and being yeah. part of that community. Or are you posting to advertise yourself to clients? Because obviously they're two very different things. So say for a very true example of what Mark was just saying, I was ranting on my stories yesterday about how I've been really struggling in lockdown to get up in the mornings, which in a normal world, I'm quite good yeah. at that sort of thing. But obviously lockdown has made it quite difficult. Other designers mm. could really relate with that. It was great. Uh, people messaging me all day saying, oh, I know exactly what you mean. If you get any good advice, tell me. But if any clients had seen that, they're probably thinking, well, we don't want her. <laughs> she, doesn't, she can't even manage her own time. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, like, yeah, maybe that's yeah. an example. Um, sorry, I'm just going to get rid of this phone and close this window. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to chuck it out the window. But it's an interesting point that you made that. It's like, do you know when clients say, oh, she can't even get up in the morning to do on time to do the work and such. When have you ever had to like sit as a designer from nine till five yeah. and get like what, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put this into words. I, I met this really good uh, illustrator in New York called Mad Swanberg. And he was just like, uh, he was repped by the agency that just signed me. And so I'd flew, flown over to New York for a job. The, the, the agency is based in New York and I got to meet Mads. And he was just like, I think I think he was like maybe like late 30s, big Swedish dude uh, with like a French bulldog and like a cat and just really laid back and cool. And I was just asking him loads of questions like, what's your like normal working day like? Because, you know, live in Manhattan. I think he was living in Manhattan. Uh, which is like you know a lot of rent. So I was yeah. like, you know, what's your what's your day like? like well, I just you know I wake up around ten. I might go for a walk, walk, walk the dog, and then do this, this, and that. Check emails, and then I'll start work around one, maybe after lunch. And I was like, ah, oh. so like you get all your work done in that a lot of, that a lot of time. He was like, well, how long does it take you to do your work? It doesn't take me long because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Like clients, yeah. I know what clients want, and so. Some of my best jobs are, are done like within two or three hours. And when I think about it, I'm probably revealing a little bit too much about how I run my, <laughs> run my business. But for example, okay, so if I charge for a mural, if a mural is like, say, this space behind me, I can do that in like two or three hours. But is it right for me to charge an hourly rate or is it right for me to charge project rate? Because it de- it depends on the client, it depends on like the on like the detail of the work, and also I've been doing this for like ten years, but then I've also been an artist for the past like I'm thirty five now for the past thirty four or thirty three years, so that's what you're paying for. You're not just paying for my time when I'm here here and there. You're paying for me to do something that you can't do, and you won't be able to find another artist to be able to do quickly and <laughs> as good as I can. But but. In a lot, in a lot of ways, it's like watching. Um, it's like no footballer plays the same, you know. It's like everyone has their own. Everyone has their own way of working, and sometimes, like, just uh, that 
antiquated way of saying that like you have to be at your desk for like That's 10 right. or 9 or whatever That's yeah so, just to quantify i'll get all my yeah and i think now we've seen everyone can still work like and they don't have to sit in the own office yeah, yeah. So we're and, done. and that's what um i believe there's a, i believe there's a paula Scher quote about um because i like the city bank logo that she made i think she made on a napkin in in the meeting and i think the, her whole point was it might have taken me 10 minutes Love to design this, this but it but it took me 35 years to learn how to I got pablo picasso exactly Pic- picasso also did the same thing as well you know someone wanted to grab a napkin that he'd drawn on uh-huh. and it you know, it's like, no, no, I, I, you're not going to have it. It's like, I want money for it. It's like, well, why? It's like, well, because I've spent my lifetime being able to do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's true. And so, like, I, I'm i so against, uh, well, because I've been a freelancer nearly all of my kind of, like, adult life, I've never really worked for a company. So I have no idea what it's like to work for companies. But I've, done, I've created a lot of murals for agencies and such. And some of the best agencies are like kind of digital startups. Like they kind of give staff a lot more like leeway and a lot more kind of freedom to, to utilize their time better. Facebook, for example, I know Facebook get like a, a you know, very bad, bad rap and everything. And I'm, I'm not going to defend them, but I have worked in like the Facebook offices doing the murals and like the culture, the work culture there is very different. Like, you know, like on one side, it's like, they look after the staff. They make sure the staff have a lot of freedom. They feed them. They give them lots of entertainment and they give them space. But at the end of the day, they have to deliver. Like yeah. they, they have reports for Friday and they have to make sure that everything is done. If it's not, then it's like, well, why are we giving you all this freedom? So that's the other side of that kind of capitalism. But that's something that I can get involved. I, I can get involved in because there's an area of trust. I like clients that trust me and every client I've worked with has trusted me. I've only had one client that didn't and they came to my studio and sat next to me whilst I pieced these digital designs together for their restaurant. And that, I think from that day, I was like, that is never happening ever again. No one's ever coming to sit next to me to tell me what to do like that. Unless genuinely I need the help. But this guy just didn't have any trust, didn't really, he said he liked what I did, but I was just a stopgap. Like, if he could have got any other graphic designer to do the work for him, he would have done it. And that just kind of goes to show, as like freelancers and as creatives, again that ego comes in. <laughs> like, I'm coming back to ego again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I don't, I don't serve this kind of treatment. But it's more of a case of it's just time becomes more important to you. Like, the further you get, like the, like the older you get, you'll start to realize that you value your time so much more. And I'm someone who doesn't even have like their own house or like partner or kids or anything like that. And I'm still valuing my time. So I'm just like, so if I can cut out as much bullshit with the clients, then that's great <laughs> within reason. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think, I think what it is self-respect. I think that's part of it. It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's definitely a good trait to have respecting yourself and knowing how much you're worth. Um, knowing when to walk away as well is important. Like if you just know, you know, you feel so, you feel kind of crappy for thinking about walking away. But then like when you do walk away from a job or walk away from like a client that's making things a little bit too difficult. Yeah. Like, honestly, have you guys ever yeah, yeah. had the opportunity to yet? You know? I'm not too scared to. <laughs> I to, to, walk, to walk away from a, from a brief. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll have I, it for a project. I have a, I work in a, look, I work in a design studio that does branding. So oh, right. f- for me, obviously we have, 
it's, it's a small it's a small team it's three of us so if one of us is feeling a bit off about it somebody else can come in and give their input that's one of the reasons i like being in a design studio is that my mm-hmm. boss and i'm not i'm not just here to blow smoke for my boss but he has <laughs> built that culture where he cares about us being happy first and that because he's built a environment where we can be fun and we can be goofy uh, we, I could be sat at my desk, I can hear him beatboxing behind me all the time. And he, he's open about just being himself. And it makes me and Gabby, the, um, who works with us, just want to work that much harder for mm, for mm. the team and for the design and for the client. So we've not, I've not, we've, I've definitely had moments where I'm like, this brief is difficult. Uh, but luckily mm. I've got a good support system around me where I can say, Gabby, come and have a look at this and she'll give her input and it will, put a fresh light on the situation mm. it's, good, it's definitely good. different from a, from a freelance point of view where definitely. you can't hand it off or um yeah. Or, yeah, or, or you're just going to walk away from the money as well that's the big one i, I, I had that it was until until two months ago it was, it was the biggest project i've ever had and obviously i was still charging less than i should have been for, so it was a thousand pound for um for for a, it was a filipino jewelry company which was a pretty cool project um and they they seen something i'd done on uh, and put it out um, and they said we want something like this, which means they don't want anything, something, anything like that. But um, this is what it turned out to be anyway. It turned out to be nothing like what it was, and you know they wanted revision, revisions, and, and this is obviously coming from younger designers, still really bad with dealing with clients, like actually dealing with clients and, and communication and um, like getting what they actually wanted out of the brief as well. I didn't really have an idea. Um, probably still wouldn't to an extent. I probably still wouldn't do it fully, fully well. Um, but yeah, so so after you know a couple of months and uh, yeah, that's I think that was the thing. It was just so, it took so long to do it and and the delay in the time and responses and um, just dragged on so much. I just said that we're not going to do this anymore. I'm sorry. Um, I'll give you a refund for the recent payment you gave me and then yeah, that was it. Um, there we go. And how did you but, feel? Uh, how did you yeah, feel after that? How did I feel? Mm. Yeah, uh, a weight was relieved. Um, <laughs> I had no money, but I wait for it to leave. You see, like at least like you kind of had principles, you know, and yeah. maybe further down the line, like your emotional and mental health on a job, like is very, you kind of take it for granted that how much like a job can just wear you down. Yeah, uh, if it's certainly not gone your way, but I think also in you know instance instances of that, that's an important story, an important lesson for you as well. Um, I, sure. I've had jobs like that as well that just like went on and on and on and then you know I kind of realized I should have actually you know like you, you just learn lessons like I should have actually put a proper like a different payment structure to you know to protect me from so many amendments yeah, and once you kind of yeah yeah but that's like no one taught me that you know I had to like make that mistake or I had to like go through all the BS and just kind of go how can I prevent that it's like oh actually yeah if I just put more little barriers in front of them um, just so they can understand that like I'm not someone who's working in-house for you if I'm working in-house for you then pay me a salary if not yeah. then like this is how much it is um, I, I earlier on in my career and I when I was teaching I used to tell people imagine you're the plumber you're the person who why do you call a plumber you can't fix the pipes yourself you don't have the tools and you don't know how to do it yeah. but you never question a plumber if like he comes to your house and says 400 you can either say 
oh, I might get a second opinion. But whilst that's happening, your toilet's like shitting everywhere. So <laughs> yeah. it's just like, you just go, fine, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. Yeah. But you never question a plumber. Yeah. So I was just like, how can you do it so you they never question the illustrator or never question the graphic designer? That's hard, mm. but you have to show, not dominance, but just show some kind of like authority that like i know what it is that i'm doing you called me you called me and if you don't if you want a yes man i'm not your yes man i'm just someone who can solve your problem uh really great story with paul rand and steve jobs yeah this lockdown i read loads of books and i read autobiographies and i read steve jobs autobiography famous story about him getting uh, paul rand to design a new logo for his uh, next box so it's like a, a different it was a different computer it was when steve jobs got sacked by uh, Apple, and I forgot the fee for the for the logo, but it was like a lot, like maybe like seventy thousand dollars or something. And he goes to Paul Rand, uh, gives him the brief. Paul Rand's like, right, right, cool, cool, cool. And then basically, no revisions, no sketches, just worked on the final thing, seventy thousand. Also, he put the final logo in a uh, nice, like I think it was like a, a bison leather portfolio, which he then charged to Steve Jobs, I think, <laughs> and then. And then got Steve Jobs to fly him over from New York to um, Cupertino. I think it's Cupertino where Apple are based or like where he was based. And then basically showed him the logo and Steve Jobs was like, yeah, I love it. Um, but, and he tried to like, try to put it in an amend and Paul Rand just said, I know what I'm doing, Steve. And then just walked off. $70,000. Yeah. Oh this is, this is, but this is exactly like <laughs> what Mike Janda talks about in the, uh, in his podcast we do with Emily. Yeah. about having so basically there's different um levels like you said you know to, to, to the design yeah. scene and well to everything why people buy um i was making an instagram post actually for it so i'm just gonna bring it up yeah. so i can explain it better but uh reasons why people buy things and why and why steve jobs went to paul rand and at the top of that list is reputation and he obviously went to paul rand because he's got that reputation he knows in Steve Jobs's head, he knows that Paul Rand's the guy because he's mm. like that's why yeah. people go to Pentagram or Michael Beirut and they they know that he's the guy and they, they're going to give if they've got that amount of money they can give it to him and he's yeah. going to do the job. There's these um, four other levels, isn't there? Like um, yeah, so price, it was price, convenience, um, quality, and relationship. relationship. Yeah, you know, so if you've got that <laughs> reputation, then it just smashes out of the park any of those other things, and they don't care if if that reputation because that reputation is the top one. You can charge what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was um, it was a triangle like a pyramid. Mike, Mike yeah. explained it. I've got it on social media by the time this is out. But um, yes. I think that was cool. when this is out. I think that was last week's, well, this week's podcast, last week's podcast. Anyway, um, price. So, so it goes: price, convenience, quality, relationship, reputation, as you mentioned. Wow. Um, and then okay. basically, as a company comes to you, you know, and, and as a designer, you you go through these stages of mm. being able to charge. Because you're the cheapest, being able to charge because you're the most convenient, or, or mm-hmm. you, you sort of question. Mike, Mike Jander was saying that like, you question why people are coming to you as well, and are they coming to you because you're the cheapest? Are they coming to you because they're the most convenient? The other one that picked up the phone, yeah. Or is it because of your quality? Mm-hmm. Is it because you know them in your relationship with them, or you, or you you have you know you know they know of you already, um, on the back of uh, on the back of recommendations, or or is it reput- reputation? So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about when when you're saying like why you went to Steve Jobs. Oh, and, and Paul and Paul Rand. Yeah, it is I'm interesting. Like, I, a bit. Oh no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Because things like reputation. Sorry, another thing that I was going to think as well about the whole, um, like how to 
walk away from brief or how to know when a, when a project you're on and not get so I find that I get so emotionally invested in jobs and I've been talking about this with people that I, I said before the podcast a lot of my circle of like friends aren't in the design scene or anything creative they're like why do you get mm. so upset when people say they don't like you need to do something again and I'm like it's because I'm so passionate about design and that's the thing when you're creative like you love what you do and you do it because it is like a real passion whereas someone who like my boyfriend's an accountant so he's like if i do a job wrong someone tells me to do it again i'm like okay there's such a different yeah. drive and such a different motivation than there would be in different industries that it can be a lot harder to either walk away from a job or be able to face criticism and things like that I, I yeah, anyway. you are you are your work when you're working in this industry. It's not like something that you kind of leave at the door. More often than not, it's something that you take home with you all the time, and you think exactly. about it, and you might do revisions and stuff. It's different to like say, like you said, with your boyfriend who's an accountant, unless he's like super passionate about numbers and accounting. Yeah, and there are there are some <laughs> that just love it. They they love it because that you know it's 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 an interest for them, or it's like a skill that they love using, but that's the thing with with our industry like it is the person who's creating the work a lot of their a lot of themselves are going into the work so that means that reflects back on the ego it reflects back on on the work as a representation of you and so you're constantly questioning stuff so like you might have you might send work out and then uh like i always send i always like kind of like get work signed off and then it's printed or published or whatever and then i'll look at it like maybe a year later and just think fuck's sake i could have done more on that like you know like you just kind of think oh that represents me now like it's oh i wish now i could have applied this idea that i've been doing to it but that's just a constant thing all the time i think the most important thing is being able to oh like have have like an imaginary cutoff point where like it doesn't it doesn't habitually like uh it doesn't habitually like affect the way you are like you know like um, so I don't know. I don't know. Kind of like, like a separation because... between you and your work. Yeah. Not being. Yeah, like a wedge. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a wedge. So like, it doesn't like feed on future anxieties and like depressive, depressive states and whatever. There's probably been times where like, you know, I get into a bit of a funk, just from nothing, just from like seeing stuff online and like, you know, there's so much work that I love, and then it's like, why is it that there's so much work that I love and I can't get the stuff that they're doing? So, you know, you uh, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you Absolutely. get into these weird head cycles, and then, but like, I think in time, you know, as long as you learn like coping mechanisms to kind of like snap you out of it, you be like, oh come on, like this is, this is nothing really, um, yeah. you know. So you always have to have some kind of anchor point that kind of pulls you out of it, really. What, what is that? Uh, what, can, what can we do? Yeah. What can you do? Well, oh, okay, so prime example, like, again, I'll bring it back to the initial, like, uh, lockdown. There was this feeling that, like, what I do and what I'm going through is not as bad as what other people are going through, right? Like the care mm-hmm. workers and such. Mm-hmm. And they're getting a lot of you know, people applauding them and stuff. And then, like, you know, but then you kind of you kind of knew they're probably not going to get a pay rise or anything like that. They're they're risking their lives. They're getting people recognizing them on a national level, but then they're not going to get a pay rise. And I was kind of thinking it just it wasn't that like I was comparing myself. You don't compare yourself to them. 
you just acknowledge it to yourself and go, oh, and it, it, it's a very kind of like leveling way to look at things. And also, yeah. yeah, it's just perspective. And also like whatever you're doing now and if things are just like, you know, haven't gone the way that you wanted them to, it's never the end unless you want it to end, if you know what I mean. Mm. So like, well, we all have like really bad days. We all have days where, you know, sometimes you have to give yourself time to feel bad if you know like just to kind of go through that motion if it's a pattern that you that happens to you and you kind of acknowledge it and then you know you'll come out the other end there's so many different ways to kind of approach it but i think it's just just remembering that like what you do it is an uphill struggle but that's why you do it because the reward at the end when it does work out and it does work out if you carry on doing it is great and then you're on to the next one and then you're on to the next one being a being a creative person is quite masochistic. You're constantly hurting yourself, and you're constantly putting yourself in emotional harm's way. Yeah. And then you know, but then eventually you always kind of like come out on top, and you think, "Oh, that was great," you know, or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you meet people. Like I mean, I'm meeting like two of you for the first time, and it's just like, it's like this is the rewarding part of doing what I'm doing. If I wasn't exactly. a graphic designer or an illustrator anymore, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you. This. This is why it's it's, it's worth doing. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I think anyway. That's pretty I, much. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I don't know if it's because like, you know, you guys are relatively quite young and you're still starting out and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're going on that path right now. I don't know if I've ruined the plot for you. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, it's funny sort of having to remind yourself all the time, like this is, this is all going to pay off. you can see all of these other people and yeah you can look at these people and think i wish i was in their boat like i I wish i had what they have but Mm -hmm. if you try and remind Mm -hmm. yourself what they were probably doing when they were 22 or younger or older Mm -hmm. when when they were at your sort of level and like fresh meat industry and work is is reassuring to know that people make it through Yeah, um, my teacher you know explained yeah. the same thing back in university. I keep saying my teacher, but she's not my teacher anymore. Uh, where <laughs> always she's, she's always said that design is peaks and valleys. And yeah. it's important mm. to enjoy those peaks, but acknowledge the valleys. And it's that acknowledgement is mm-hmm. what gets you out of it. And mm-hmm. you can relate that to, to anything. If you've watched Paula Scher's abstract video, yeah. She, yeah. there's a section where she talks through the... Uh, like this, the storyline of a meeting and there's peaks and valleys in that at one point yeah. they're going to come in and they're going to go oh I love it I love it I love it and then they go oh what if we change this and they change this <laughs> and it's knowing when to climb out of it and when to like settle on a point I think I think that's something that you can apply to design and life in general yeah. Paula Cher was like but her episodes are amazing and again like you say Turn to people that have been in the industry that are older and look look at these older people and just kind of like think about the amount of time that's gone by and they're still doing it. And mm-hmm. there's no reason to think that you can't. There's nothing that's going to physically stop you unless another act of God happens, like goddamn meteor comes down or something. <laughs> I don't know. Everything is... So I'm looking forward to what happens or how the world is going to be once things kind of like normalize a little bit and how you know how to kind of traverse that that's like the next adventure in a way like this a career in our kind of sense is like it's all about kind of like 
moving with kind of like the flow of what's going on around you. And I kind of believe that every time you feel like you've hit a milestone or hit a victory, it's like the end of a chapter or it's like the end of a video game level. Like, oh yeah, past that one. What's the next level? What's the next level? What's the next level? What's the end game? Well, there is no end game in a way. The end game is just to keep getting as many kind of rewards for yourself or to kind of, you know, the end game could be a nice house. The end game could be teaching at university. The end game could be, you know, like being at the helm of like one of the, the biggest design agencies in the world. It could be anything. And so every time, you know, if you ever feel that like, oh, I've hit like a, a brick wall, it's a brick wall that you're going to get, you're going to smash through when you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. our, our feelings can, yeah, our feelings can betray us. Our feelings yeah. can betray us, you know, to yeah. make you feel that, like, this is hopeless. It's like, it's mm-hmm. not hopeless because you're still here. You're still functioning. And, you know, once you feel better, you'll get back on that horse and you'll just, like, go yeah. for it. You'll try and try and try again. Yeah. Well, it's like zooming into people the <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's like zooming into one part of a um, like a graph, and it might look like that. Like from a distance, it might look like it's always on an increase. But the more you yeah. zoom in, you go, oh, it's actually kind of mm-hmm. waving a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are people that. Looking at it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like every time you feel like there's like a like a, a dead end or something, and you feel that way, you'll probably start to realize. I always feel this way when this happens. Oh yeah, this has happened like twenty odd times, and. I still got through it. So it's part of the process. Yeah. It's part of the process. Because things can't always be sweet all the time. You kind of need, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. sometimes like maybe you need friction to kind of, you know, jolt you out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? To stop you from complacency. What is yeah. that saying that they say that you you can't grow when you're comfortable or like you can't? Yeah, like, yeah. Tough times yeah. make strong men. Pressure creates diamonds. Yeah, <laughs> pressure creates diamonds. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. So, yeah, I've read quite a good quote the other day. It was like, yeah, um, growth never happens when you're comfortable. And things like, yeah, the, yeah. the idea that that's it's, true. It's, it's the tough times that do actually end up pushing you upwards. That's that's true. Ar- it might be an Arnold Schwarzenegger quote. That one, <laughs> or maybe he said something similar because he refers it to bodybuilding. chopper. Not oh, getting yeah, the chopper, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, I'll be back. But you know, if it's if you equate it to his bodybuilding style, if you're just lifting the comfortable weights, your biceps not going to grow any bigger. But if you push yourself, yeah. then yeah, then yeah. that's where you see the improvement. And it's only when you yeah. meet resistance do you see that kind of the mm. other side of it. I've, I've read loads of interesting. Just talking about lockdown, how have you found not being in because of the gym? Because that's that's been. A big <laughs> uh well okay yeah so like first thing i did was i tried to kind of come up with like a home workout plan yeah so which again that's actually quite hard because i think going to the gym is a good neutral space isn't it yeah yeah but then uh what i decided to do was put some money down on some dumbbells and put some money down on some like uh resistance tubes and things and Uh, once you put money down on something yeah you're just like right i'm gonna use this and i got into a good i got into a good routine but the one thing that failed me was eating Mm. Yeah, yeah. when you're back at your mum's when you're back at your mum's you're just snacking and <laughs> just snacking and portions of food are triple what you normally have so, just like, <laughs> so I just gave up <laughs> I just gave up but it did affect me it, it did affect me so I had to go on like walks and just get some fresh air but since I've been back in London 
I've been like doing more runs and I feel a lot better and a lot more motivated as well. Mm. I think so, it's yeah, important that's, what you said about as well about the whole neutral space thing because uh, anybody who knows me knows that I do go in the gym but it's more of a force thing than an enjoyment type thing mm-hmm. uh, but I do also I really enjoy swimming and obviously I've not been able to do that because mm-hmm. I don't have a pool so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday, at time of recording I can finally go swimming again. Um, <laughs> but it's just little things like being able to go out and about when I'm not mm-hmm around my laptop if all the time that i'm here and all the time that i've been in the house it doesn't matter yep. what i'm doing whether it's nine o'clock at night on a friday night and like it's mm. prime time to be chilling and just watching a film i'm like well my laptop's there mm. i may as well pick it up and do some work whereas when i'm it's out hard. i wouldn't even think about it i wouldn't even consider doing mm. a bit of work just because i've got the time all the time that my laptop's mm. there i'm like i may as well do some yeah i uh, yeah, that's why hard. i play badminton as much as i can is just yeah. to to put that cr- um, competitive energy into something else. Into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love to play it. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, you talked about it quite a bit. I'd love to have a go at you. We you definitely we win. Play. But... Well, I don't know. I, I just challenged one of my friends from college. Uh, went to the University of Huddersfield, and he played competitively. And he was, I think, he was undefeated for three years. And wow. my overconfident ass was like, "Yeah, let's play." <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose so hard as soon as we get the op- opportunity to play. But it, it would get me away from my keyboard and desk. Yeah. So that's good. That's the, that's the thing well, as well. Like the, getting, getting away, uh, getting away from your phone and a screen. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it is, but the last, the last two couple of weeks, I think I've been really. My eyes have been heavy. Like I've had yeah. heavy eyes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know that feeling. Yeah, I've never had that really. I th- like. Until, I, I managed to yeah, so it's like, weird. yeah I, I think like with the lack of proper gym equipment and stuff and yeah. exercising whatever I was doing I, I felt quite happy with so I had to mentally just say this isn't the gym but at least I'm keeping fit and I'm staying, mm-hmm. staying active so that helped but for me just like I just got back into reading books again like I just ordered like shit mm-hmm. ton of books to to read and That's I it. just felt like yeah, I just felt like maybe I should read stuff that's like uh, more non-fiction. So that's what I did. So I read right. like Steve Jobs' autobiography again, and uh, Phil Knight, you know the guy who yeah, uh, set up Nike. Yeah, Shoe Dog's wicked book, and then like just loads of other books on <laughs> loads of other books on like myth, like myths and religion and philosophy and stuff, which are like really hard to read. But it's like something that's kind of just makes you think, just to kind of challenge myself and you know like stop looking at the goddamn phone which i was doing all the time do you get the yeah, screen yes. report every sunday or oh every monday God. morning yeah it's like it was down. ups yeah i think everyone's like, like your screen time has increased by 200 yeah it's like 80 yeah. percent. i'm like fucking hell like, i, I <laughs> yeah. dread that thing every every week i hate yeah. looking at that makes but, me happy when it goes down though Oh yeah, same. That's, 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 I'm on the Samsung. I don't get it. It's all good. Uh, I have a. I use I've an been app. doing the same thing. I've been investing a lot more time into books <laughs> instead of looking at my screen in my downtime. Mm. I've got got like a Wally Allen's book right now. And nice. And I'm, I've got book that. My my bookshelf is beginning to bend because I've spent so much money <laughs> in the last couple of months. Ooh, but it's, I think it's definitely important important to. <laughs> I don't know. I used to buy a lot of um, shoes. Oh, that was my thing of choice: was to put all my money into shoes. But that I've now you've got nowhere to wear them. <laughs> yeah, I've got nowhere to wear them, so I might as well spend the money elsewhere and invest in myself a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I have bought some books. I will 
be completely honest here, I bought some books. Doesn't mean I've read them. But, I did <laughs> so the intention but they're there. They're there. <laughs> they're you always to there. get in the mood. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. You need to be in the mood to read them. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, as, as, a, as a challenge. But another, another thing I did during lockdown as well, so like, I didn't like not draw, but I did start to kind of engage with things that were going on around me. So I did a lot of social media stuff. So, um, like, you know, d- doing things for like, uh, like NHS, Black Lives Matter, just, just seeing how I could find ways to use my work as a voice to kind of like share my opinions and my views on it, you know, just to support, you know, support these people. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, you know, you at think? the end of sorry. lockdown, no, no, sorry, yeah, at the end, um, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> It's probably, oh, you know what, it's probably the ear pods. They're probably going to like die down in a bit. But I'll, uh, <laughs> if they do, I'll just like do a quick switcheroo. Um, <laughs> but it made me feel that like, if I want to prepare for life after lockdown, I want to see how malleable my work is for different tones of voice. Right. And I think tone of voice is an important thing to, not master, but just to kind of get your head around as a creative. You can be, you can make like, cool flashy this is hip stuff but how do you work with somber serious material mm. how do you work with things that are meant to be hopeful and you know as well as enthusiastic so i think it's kind of interesting it's like it's like what we do is like we kind of make a different type of music it's just you don't hear it you see it you know yeah yeah definitely get it that's, that's, that's how do you think other people would have gone through the lockdown and the, like the whole well, have you spoken to any other illustrators at hand and how they've dealt with it? Yeah, I think a lot of them kind of went through the same thing as like all of us. Like, like a lot of people picked up new hobbies. They learned how to bake, but they also went on loads of walks. <laughs> you know, like I think also in their spare time, I think a lot of other illustrators like um, like went to work and made prints. You know, like and sold artwork and such. I decided not to do any of that. I decided like just to take a total step away. But some people like have like flourishing print shops now, where they're just selling like merchandise and things, which was kind of nice because there's people that actively want to support these artists, which is great. But I think, you know, as as creative people, it sounds like we all went through the same thing, like emotionally, yeah. you know, the anxieties and stuff. So I'm sure all my other illustrator friends probably went through the same thing as well. But just utilize the time to like work on their own stuff. More importantly, work on themselves. If this doesn't work, and if this doesn't work, then the, you can't make the work. Yeah, exactly. You know, really if this isn't to, happy, then to put yourself mm, that's it right. Does, you uh, can't make good work if you're not feeling one hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And so I've got a bit of a hangover today, and that's what that's one hundred percent. All right. Watched the football last night, but um. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly exactly it. Like not feeling hundred percent today, and I'm like probably forty percent of myself, mm. and that really really uh, frustrates me for about <laughs> swearing. Um, but yeah, and, and I, was, I was thinking about it, like athletes, they don't because that's what we do. Me and Yaku always go back to sports people and athletes, but um, they you know they are hundred um, percent when they're fully fit. You know they they're not alcohol. There's there's no like distractions from it. I was thinking, does mm-hmm. would being 100% healthy, 100% fit and on it outside of design, surely that's got to have a, like an impact in your design work. Surely that means you're going to create better, you're going to think better, think faster. Like, surely that helps. 
I think so. Like, say, for example, if I don't do any work for like a week and I'm on holiday, I'm like always itching to get back and do some work. Like, yeah. you recharge batteries. Um, and like, when you get into a good routine as well, like if you're like going to the gym and, you know, you might up your weight, so you might have done like, you know, hit like a personal best or whatever. And you just feel good about yourself. And, and I think most, most importantly, like I always go to the gym before I, I go to work. So I go yeah. early. So, that, so it feels like I've done loads already. Yeah. Anything that I get done later in the day is a bonus. Yeah, you like cheap, after, you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you do that and you just feel, you feel really good and you feel actually like enthusiastic about like getting back in the studio and doing more work. Um, I think also, I think what's changed my life is not having late nights. <laughs> like I sound like a proper dry, boring <laughs> person, but just not having late nights, just going to bed at a good hour, getting a good amount of sleep, waking up and just like yeah great i feel really fresh i've also had days where i've had really bad hangovers and yeah you feel like absolute poo <laughs> but at least hangovers they subside after a while so you'll be you know tomorrow you'll be right as rain straight back on it have it yeah yeah I hope so but uh but, um, the book recommendation uh which i want to get um i talked about robert green the bloke a minute ago uh who, yeah. who that podcast um so this is 48 laws of power which uh, i haven't read yet but i've heard it's very good so that's my recommendation I haven't read it yet um, and then uh, this is one I've, I'm making my way through which is seriously good it's called Mastery same author I think you'll be really interested in this Jakub it's, it's being the best you can in your field basically yeah. and becoming a real master at one thing and that's a thick that. book that's um, definitely something that I'd be interested in so yeah it's going, so, yeah, going like, on the Amazon list as soon I'm already as making mm. it. I will, have any of you guys yeah. read Atomic Habits? No, I've heard it. Yeah, I've I keep hearing really good things about it. So it came yesterday, so I haven't started reading it yet. But that looks really good about the idea of changing something small every day or mm. every so often or like however I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. But um, yeah, it's sort of like all these small changes to your habits, which eventually make your yeah. overall habits so much more efficient. And yeah. I, I, I like the idea, yeah. but I've got like a massive... Mm. I, I had... Um, this initially last last year, uh, where I, I wanted to be so productive, I wanted to make these individual bricks that each each day, I wanted to make them so perfect each day, and it just led to misery really, and uh, not being like not being happy at all. So I, I'm wondering like how much, um, how much before, like like how many how many personal uh, improvement videos can you watch, and like how much can you watch how many morning routines can you watch or like, like how much can you can you research into stuff before it like just drives yeah, you into the ground you're... <laughs> well yeah that and, is interesting yeah yeah and, and you you're wanting to improve so much but um but yeah this is sorry Joe. <laughs> no it's interesting that because i've had the same i've had the same thing where you know there's a point where i was probably reading like interesting self-help books and then and then it kind of got me thinking, like, I, you can just carry on reading these things because they're mm. constantly validating and constantly giving you advice. But if you never take the advice, you're <laughs> yeah. constantly reading and reading yeah. and reading them. So it's like this. So one of the books I'm reading is called um, Hero, The Hero of a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell is someone who investigated like myths, folklore and religion and how like just really quickly how. There are so many different stories from different cultures and different religions that all correlate. So it makes you. So he kind of questions like, why are certain things always uh, familiar in religious texts? So like, you know, the story of like, you know, it's like, is 
like Islam and Christianity, like there's like a prophet, there's a God, all this kind of thing. And how, when you think of religion, when a preacher is giving you lessons, you're supposed to interpret those lessons in a more of a, me- like a kind of transcendental metaphysical sense rather than a literal sense. So like, because like, oh, I think, you know, some people probably feel like whatever happened uh, in like biblical times, it's like a literal history. But I think what he's trying to say is that some of these things are not literal. They're just, they're lessons themselves. So it's being able to pick out these lessons and make them into something that you are comfortable with, just like reading a self-help book. So the, so like the key to reading a self-help book is that you have to pick out those lessons and you have to internalize them somehow and then turn those into habits, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to do. Work for you, mm. yeah. You have to make them work for you. Whereas I just read them and go, yeah, 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 cool, that's cool, cool. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. But I don't internalize <laughs> yeah. it. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's like the, the same thing I found with like making, making content before I really started honing in wanting to be a football creative but like you felt like you were being busy like it's the same thing with self-help books it's like there's um oh shit there's that quote from fight club it's like self-help uh it's just it's just like masturbation sort of thing it's like it's a very short term oh my place. god yeah yeah um that that it's a great quote it's like fantastic i mean that was probably also around the time that i had this big like meltdown i watched uh fight club and like had this moment where i was like oh for fuck's sake what is the world and like <laughs> i yeah, just went in a big spiral, but because um, wow. there's so many different, so many different things you can take away from that film. Um, I've never seen it. Everyone's got, everyone's got an inner it, yeah. Tyler Durden. Need to oh, watch really. it. It's it's a good watch. You should do a, you should do create a waffle film club. That you like, talk about. I might actually yeah. watch talk movies if you do that. I'm the worst. Yeah, people rec- people recommend me Niche. movies all the time, and I'm the worst for it. Because I'm like, yeah, Let's I'll watch it. that, and then new series. Don't. Yeah, Let's do it. You should do it. Yeah, you should do it. Fight Club, seriously, Fight Club's great. But um, but yeah, going on that point, there's definitely an amount you you do where you you just watch these videos and feel like you've done something, um, which isn't true. So I had this thought the other day actually about how I've been listening to so many podcasts recently, and then I I read something on Instagram where someone was like, "Oh, I just feel that podcast to me now is just noise." I was like, oh my god, they are. They're just background. Uh, after a like, while, when I actually like think about it, I'm always doing something uh, else. How uh, much of that am I actually taking on board and doing, or am I just listening to it so that I can say that I listened to it and must have done something useful by doing that? Yeah, it's like internalizing how comfortable they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're on a podcast, many don't don't say that they're. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I'm just. I'm no, another thing as well. I was going to say we were talking um, early on in the week in other podcasts as well, um, about how everything should be intentional mm. and mm. how it's all great, like, reading these self-help books or, like, me saying, if I listen to a podcast, obviously not this one, because this one's, like, the best, but listen to a <laughs> not-so-good podcast and not really taking it in. And the future. What? What's the point? What's the point in listening to it? Bad joke. Bad joke, What's bad the joke. point in listening to it if you're not going to intentionally take that on board mm. and do something with that advice or knowledge I... that you've taken on? Yeah, I kind of also feel it depends on the podcast because, like, mm. if they're quite conversational, then yeah, you know, it's it's nice to have on in the background because you're probably you've probably worked in studios where people are having conversations and it's like yeah, 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 like that, and you you kind of switch in and out. Yeah, if you like. Nice, yeah, that's that's yeah. why I listen to podcasts at, like from home because yeah. I'm missing that in the office. 
But I'll purposely listen to a podcast that's got like a whole episode on marketing advice or something. I'm like, yeah, I listened to that episode, but I didn't actually do anything because I wasn't listening properly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. That podcast, yeah, they're different. It's also like I don't know if any of you guys do it, but like you rewatch the same TV shows over and over again. Yeah, you know, again, it's 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 familiarity and comfort. So like you know, there's no sense of anxiety because you know what's going to happen, you know what's going to come. It's just something nice to have on in the background. I'm the same. Like there's probably like YouTube videos I have on in the background whilst I'm working. What's everyone's go to? Ten minutes before I go to bed. If we go to film club, what is it? Once, uh, film. Oh. So I've got well, go to a TV, TV show, go to things put on in the background that's just like easy. Oh, oh put in the background. I was talking I had, about I had, like favorite. Uh, I had friends on is... at one point. Yeah, friends. friends. This is a good one for me. No, see, that's something I haven't seen. Have oh, you? have never watched Friends. So much to catch wow. up on. It's all on Netflix. No, no see, I yeah, prefer to Netflix, watch. Yeah. Like, prefer the to se- watch. The second one, club. second one's more obscure, <laughs> but uh, Night Rider from from the eighties. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if anybody else watches Knight Rider. It's, nope. It's I probably, used to as a kid. Oh, really? Thinking yeah. back, it's probably not even that great of a TV show, to be completely honest. No, it was wicked. No, it was really good. <laughs> it was really, really good. It made um, up a lot of my Saturday nights. So, embarrassingly yeah. enough, my uh, my ringtone on my phone is the Knight Rider theme. Oh. So, <laughs> so I love that movie. I want, I want that car. For, for those who don't know, oh, it's, it's, a Pontiac, it's Pontiac Trans Am that's been modified. Which is the most American, most American thing that you could ever hear, and uh, <laughs> I've I've always wanted that car, but boy, is it expensive. That's good. Can we get the uh, the uh, famous Yakuma saying on the podcast? What's the famous Yakuma saying? Do I say a lot of things? The uh, I'm born in Connecticut. I'm, I am. American. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am American. Yeah, I only say I am American to British people, and then to <laughs> Americans, I'll say that I'm British. <laughs> you said on every podcast. I wanted to ring it into this one as well because every podcast uh, so you know, far you said it. I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about it. I hadn't even thought. Yeah, about you it. brought it up. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Right, that, Millie, that, that one's on you. Yeah. <laughs> what's your go-to uh, go-to film? My go-to films is the Marvel movies, like the MCU MCU ones. On repeat, I've seen them so many times that I know they're like wow. really action-filled movies. But because yeah. I've seen them so many times, I literally can just put them on in the background. <laughs> I haven't seen those. I haven't seen any of them all the way through. Haven't you? You're missing out. They're good. My go-to TV and films is The Sopranos and Rick and Morty. So I'll have those on the background. (laughs) Easy. I haven't caught movies. Oh, oh, I actually really enjoyed season four. Like even the second half. Shit, I didn't even know there was a season four. I was on season two. (laughs) <laughs> so, oh well you're good for a treat can't watch it. but um <laughs> film wise my go-to film my ha- my go-to film that i absolutely love is the big lebowski yeah what Jeff a film Bridges. <laughs> haven't yeah, seen that's, it that's a good film i haven't seen it it's right it's okay. just a we're gonna do film book. club first one is fight club the second episode of the of the series is going to be the big lebowski <laughs> i'm so right, i'm so terrible oh, I, you know what i will watch fight club again then if you do that so then i you know I can at least critique and talk about it so then we all job. have to like talk about an interesting bit of design in the film that you there thought you was good. yeah bring it back to be relevant mm. <laughs> we should actually do it we should, like, yeah it's pretty bad design on it I've That's only, one thing like, that I really, sorry, I was just going to say one thing that I really have noticed that since I've taken such an interest in design, because it wasn't always something that I did when I was younger, how much there is to sort of take in in films. 
I don't yeah. know why. I think that's why I love the Marvel film so much because there's so much involved in it and there's just always something different that you haven't picked mm-hmm. up on before, like how well it's all been constructed. So yeah, it'll be interesting them. to to reflect. How's on the stuff. sound now? Because I don't have my uh, headphones anymore. That's no, all good. It's all good. Yeah. We'll use the audio. It it does seem to be better. Yeah, it doesn't cut out, but um, but yeah, no, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, oh, these really bad Apple AirPods. <laughs> what a waste of money. See, all I well, seem to have heard recently is people recommending them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I yeah, recommended but... them, but I also yeah, like so did I. on the on the first couple of podcasts that I was on. I had AirPods in, but they, it would always turn Siri on on my phone, on my laptop. <laughs> and through some of the podcasts, you can see like visible confusion because everyone <laughs> stops talking. And I'm like, what's going on? And Siri's on in the background and it mutes everybody else. Well, apologies in advance if I kept cutting out then. It's all good because that's, that's where you got the backup uh, recording. So it's all good. That's right. Yeah, we've got the backup. I hope. Uh... We'll use, um, probably we'll use the backup because it's. Uh, that's what we do is clearer yeah well the funny thing is now my laptop's like absolutely boiling and the fan's going crazy so i don't know if like i don't know if it's recording like the fan as well but it's all good we'll we, see we got magic magic in uh, i'm one of those sticklers i didn't want to get a new uh macbook pro because i'm i'm more of like the 20 2014 2013 school where you could uh, use like usb ports and yeah. stuff yeah i'm on a 20 days. i'm on a 2012 one right now I'm yeah there you go one. And I have to carry an adapter around with me everywhere I go. See, I same here, really, same here. Yeah. I took out the um, the hard drive on this 2012 one and put an SSD in, and it's so much Booyah. faster. I did the same too. See, it's so it's so fast and no. It's good, yeah. It's, it's really amazing. really good. Honestly, um, like if you if you buy a secondhand 2012 and get all like the SSDs and all that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. only like maybe 600 700 max. Well, I, I replaced my DVD drive and got I put in another SSD. So I've got two oh, SSDs. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. And I'm going to upgrade the RAM as well. I didn't think about taking taking out the the, the DVD drive because I never use it. So no that's idea. Yeah. Apple hacks, man. This is like Apple there hacks. For like so designers that no. don't want to spend... Yeah, I can spend two grand on a, on a MacBook or I can spend 700 quid on a MacBook instead. Because yeah. when I... I was using this at university and it it would it would take three minutes, I think I timed it to open up InDesign. And then I swapped it over and it took it took about ten seconds afterwards. And I thought, oh my god, I can't believe I've been working three minutes with three minute breaks. Yeah. Nothing's more embarrassing when you have to like kind of scramble for space and you need uh-huh. to send something off and it's just oh my god, like it's it's an absolute nightmare. But you know, as you get older you'll start to level up and then your approach to things will just be a lot more smoother. Just allow yourself to like go through a lot of mishap when you're when you. Yeah, I think that's what I'm learning now. So. <laughs> that's what my boss does. My boss is is around the same age as you, but he talks like he's the oldest person in the world, and it's the it's, it's the fun it's the funniest thing. I only tease him about it because he's so young at heart. If you ever speak to him, he's also young in person. He's only in his thirties, but um. He 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 talk he talks like you know like he's ancient and I'm like you are so young and you have no idea. I think like you know with the stuff that we do and the stuff that we work on and because like we're so curious about how uh, how we want to kind of carry on in this career, we soak up quite a lot of stuff. So we learn a lot along the way. Yeah, and I think like I think I think very naturally just 
because like we're always having discussions about all this kind of thing we um that's when when you get when you get a bit older you kind of do feel like oh actually i have a lot of interesting things that i want to share you know like especially to like younger designers and students and such just to kind of give them give them a perspective that like it's doable like you can do it you can totally do it i'm not going to stand in your way the only person that will stand in your way is yourself yeah that's something that i'm i'm learning now slowly but surely yeah but also like as well as that the only other people that'll stand in your way are the people that will just kind of hustle their way past you (laughs) which I've, i've noticed with some creative people like proper like hardcore like hustlers mm-hmm. or just like what's the word um like crazy networkers uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure well that's the thing it's like it's like i think you you you, you work on your own way of networking mm-hmm. um that's suited to you like if you're not a very outgoing person you're not gonna be like oh hey i'm an illustrator so like you got any work and stuff like, yeah, yeah you're gonna you're gonna read the room and you're gonna kind of like work to your tone and you'll be clever about how you how you uh, reach out to people, but also reaching out to people is like a numbers game, if that right. makes sense. Like you have to reach out to a lot of people, and then you know, out of every twenty, you might get one, you might get zero point five replies back on average, and you know that's better than nothing. Just yeah. like Michael Jordan said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, so. Yeah, I love when sending... basketball comes in here. <laughs> oh, there you go. Like, oh, man. But like, it's it's one of those things where just because you don't get a reply, it, you know, you don't take it personally. Because like, there's probably the amount of times where you've probably been sent emails and you've just not been able to reply. You totally forgot. Yeah, it happens to definitely. me as well. One thing though, and I hope students that are watching this, one thing that bugs me and bugs a lot of other illustrators and a lot of other like people that are in the industry if you're at university and you email someone for advice because you're writing a paper on it and they spend 20 or 30 minutes, i.e. I've done that loads of times, writing answers for you, send it and you don't say thanks. Oh, yeah. God, I can't. It's really rude. The amount of times I'm like, you know, like a lot of my friends, even I'm sure like, I'm sure like people that we know have said it and just gone like, it's so fucking annoying. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry for swearing, but it's just yeah, just don't do it. Just at least thank you is good enough. Yeah, but, Kate yeah. said that recently in one of the podcasts. Like she's noticed how younger creators don't have as much manners as, as that generation did, or, or entitlement. It seems to be a it's thing. Like, yeah, there yeah. seems to be a thing these days. I think we've sort of lost lost our matter, lost our ways a little bit. But um, I was going to ask you, what as a teacher now, you know, as as someone that's taught a lot of people, um, shared your love with the world. Uh, it just sounded really like. <laughs> uh, uh, what is uh, what's the, the number one thing you noticed people making mistakes on? Like, is there any one thing that you'd say that a lot of people do wrong? Um, obsession with style. Mm. It's all style. That's what I've noticed. It, not, not unlike. I think like maybe the objective for a lot of illustration students is to kind of obtain a style that is just going to skyrocket them to work. I think that's what they're thinking about. But then I don't blame them for thinking that way because there's just no orthodox way into in, in breaking into the illustration industry. But you can think about it in a very logical way if you were a graphic designer, if that makes sense. Um, 
So the biggest mistake I kind of see is that like a lot of emphasis on their work is based on style. And, and then with that comes all the anxieties of like, oh, my style's not good enough. It's not, you know, I think for me, it's like, you have to be able to tell a story. You have to be able to communicate what it is that you want to communicate. So me being the tutor, I have to try and tell them like experiment more, experiment more, experiment more. But I know what being a student is like because they're saying, no, I've got no time to experiment. I'm already behind on my project. I've got an essay to write and we're going out tonight and it's so-and-so's birthday on Friday night. So I can't, I can't, I have no time to do that. I get that. But that's not to say when you, when you finish university, you don't carry on experimenting. I've been experimenting ever since I finished university. In fact, I've done so much more experimentation since education that that's when I realized you carry on doing, you, you carry on doing this. You're not the finished product when you finish university. I mean, did you guys, I know Mark, you, you didn't go to uni, but you know, merely and uh, Jakob, yeah, did you, um, you know, do you feel like you were finished? I finished uni two months ago and I have oh, right. probably <laughs> developed, yeah, no, um, I've probably developed my skill more within the last two months than I did mm. a lot, mainly because my, yeah, this is stupid now, but mainly because my degree was so varied, so a lot of it wasn't really graphic design based or like illustration based. So I didn't really have time to do the bits that I loved because I was quite often coding something that I didn't want to be building or doing something like that. Um, but because I've been sort of able to go down my own route and do give my build myself my own briefs and do my own concept work since uni and yeah because it's stuff that I really want to be doing I've been spending more time on it than I would have done at uni and not procrastinating and actually really committing time to it I would yeah I've definitely learned more since I finished uni and that's only in two months and I was there for three four years yeah I'm, I'm kind of the same way I've been out of uni for a year now just gone past a year and I, I've definitely learned more in this past year uh, I, I'm very fortunate to where I got into a studio quite quickly and having to having working on live briefs it's made me realize that you can never really approach one brief the exact same way and there's always something that you can learn um, and there's, there's I, I'm, one thing I'm quite proud about in our studio is that none of our work really looks the same right? and, 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 oh, and that's that, cool yeah and that comes from my my boss Jamie teaching us about you know you design for for the brief you don't design for a, a personal style when it comes to mm -hmm. client work. Or in, in I feel that like, like yeah I feel that like uni it's it's like when you once you finish uni you got your degree the degree is a little bit more like a provisional license yeah yeah you yeah. still got so much more to learn and do uh once you finish uni and you probably like Jakob you probably learned a lot on the job as well right like, yeah definitely you know exactly and Mark too like you've been learning on the job I'm sure Millie are also <laughs> learning on the job I'm constantly learning on the job too right. and so it never ends well, it's like and um, that's I why I try and tell students try and gear your mindset towards the process and towards right. message they say that towards they they say it about driving actually that's exactly like, what I was gonna well say. yeah I remember I, I was one of those people it took me three goes to pass my driving test because I Same. just couldn't get through the actual test itself but my parents said to me the whole time you will learn so much more once you've passed yeah and it's literally exactly the same with a with a degree like mm -hmm. you think that as soon as you've passed your you pass your degree and you've got your degree it's like I am so expert at this now but actually you're just starting that that's, that's literally it. 
that's what that's when you're going to start learning the real stuff that's how you're going yeah. to learn to drive <laughs> and i don't want to kind of like make out that university you know it's it's not like a, a valuable experience because it's it is a valuable experience it was a valuable a valuable experience for me when i went to uni i kind of but at the time my attitude towards it was like this is not doing anything for me but then when i look back it, I, I got a lot from it and it's only because I've been retrospective about it, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thinking about it. You do, you do learn some skills and you learn a lot of character building and such, but then, you know, I think Mark's quite the exception here because you've also have built up your character by talking to so many other creatives, which not a lot of students would do. And you've also been making a lot of work off your own back and you've kind of shown that there are, there's no like total set way to kind of to do this and especially in the sense of like in the previous podcast when i talked about how i got into becoming an illustrator it was just happenstance just things that were just happening and i managed to just kind of like do it or just like try it out and that's not i, I can understand that's not very encouraging for like young people that want to know how do you become an illustrator and how do you get into it but it's like i don't know like it's just there's no there's no rule for living life really is there you just kind of go through you go through certain motions and then if you see opportunities or if you just kind of feel like this is what i want to do you just you just do it and if you don't feel like you want to do it you're just not ready yet you yeah, know just building that own, their own path because mm. yeah. we've been brought up by like you know movies and then you know animations and stories that tell us that like oh you know things will always work out if if you do certain things in a certain way and that's kind of true but also there are times when like in the story where things don't work out and then if you still want to do it you jump back on like i say you jump back on the horse and you and you do it and you get there and you learn so much by doing that i'm very wary of students that get like they're chasing the grade they're chasing like i want to first i want to first and you know like the first is a good representation of you being able to study at uni and do what university is asking yeah. of you but at first no one ever asks you outside like what did you get at uni unless yeah. you're applying for a job at uni then they'll ask you but no agency you might put it on a cv and whatever but like i don't know when's the last time i ever had to use a cv to get you know to get like a commission piece of work so it's it's kind of interesting it's like I kind of feel that like you know chasing a grade is 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 part of the university game, but the game yeah. afterwards is yeah. totally different. The freelance game has got a totally different set of rules. The players are different. You're going up against people that are established and all that kind of thing. So it's all like that whole uh, means to an end thing, isn't it? Like when you do your GCSEs, it's the biggest thing in the world, and then you do your A levels, and nobody cares what you're going to GCSE anymore. And then you do A levels, you get into uni or college or whatever, and nobody cares we've got A level anymore because you're there. And then as soon as you've sort of built up that career and you've built up a reputation or credibility or whatever it is that gets you the work, nobody cares what, you, what you're qualified in anymore because you're quite evidently good at what you do. That's, 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 what, I tell, that's what I tell my sister all the time. She's in her GCSEs now. Yeah. And she's by far the, the brightest out of, out of my siblings, me included. <laughs> and uh you know she she gets she gets down on herself about like oh gc about the gcses and the potential grades and stuff and i'm like look in a couple of years you're gonna find out what you you're gonna want to do in life and you're gonna chase it 
uh, and no one's going to be like, well, what did you get at GCSE? Because it's not going to matter. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's not to say don't. That's not to say don't try while you're at GCSE levels. Mm. But but you've got to realize that it's a it's a bigger picture. Again, it's, it's just a level in a video game. You want to get them to pass it, get exactly. them to pass the flying colors, and it's you know, onto the next thing. <laughs> like I'm trying to work out what my next level is, like what it is mm. that I want to do. And I've got friends that are like want to set up. They want to set up their own agencies. I've got friends that want to do animations. I've got friends who want to like get into the computer game industry and you know like do something totally far removed from what they're doing now and i'm trying to work out what is it i want to do because i always thought teaching was probably the uh, the thing i wanted to get into but i feel like i'm still a bit too young to go full-time uh to go teacher because i'm still in this world i'm still you know making work yeah. but now like the thing that's going to like challenge me is going to be something that's so slightly far removed from what i can normally do so yeah, so these are things I'm always kind of thinking about. And lockdown gave me the opportunity to think about it. I just haven't come up with a solution. Other than I've got personal projects. Like uh, I'm working on one, which is like a series of illustrations. I want to I want to create a hundred illustrations, which is like a visual diary of what I was doing during lockdown, just through told through the story of my hands. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and I just wanted to call it Idle Hands because. You know, if you've got no work, it's like you're idle. So I yeah. thought, okay, that's kind of an interesting dichotomy there because even though I've got no work on, I was keeping busy. I was making sandwiches, making cups of tea, pressing the remote on the TV and stuff. I was like, oh, if I can turn these mundane things into like a story narrative, yeah, then maybe that's kind of interesting. It's totally that's far really away. interesting. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's already out, right? I've seen you should be posting a few I've been posting right? pics. Yeah, I've been posting pics on uh, Instagram. Just don't know what oh, to do cool. with it. It's going to be a book. It's going to be a coloring book, or I don't know. But, I saw, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say I saw that. And it made me think. Uh, like, uh, I'm a dirty mind, but um, right, there's, one, there's one picture of the hands I won't post. Well, you know, I'm exploring all sorts of things like <laughs> flushing the toilet, everything. The most yeah. mundane, boring, everyday things, and just drawing it is like, oh, it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, and it's again me playing with tone, like changing the, the look of my work and seeing how, you know, seeing how it feels that way. But I'm also, I'm now back to designing prints i'm thinking of you know getting a print collection out again and just selling some merch and just seeing if people are receptive to it again but that's just like something that's kind of occupying my time in between uh, the projects and personal projects but i don't know what the big the next big project is before it was doodle club but it doesn't seem like it'd be right to organize events just yet but once things open up again in london properly then i think i'll jump back onto that as uh as my thing nice cool looking forward to yeah. it I'll come you to guys have to come to it if uh you know yeah definitely I definitely oh, will i haven't been to london, london i haven't been to london in like a year and i i actually really enjoy being in london personally so i love living here like it's yeah. i i moved here in my mid-30s so a lot of people move down here when they're when they're younger but i decided to move down later mm -hmm. i had too much going on in sheffield that you know, I was involved in and I was building up my name there and then I think it just gets to a point where to challenge myself I was like what's London going to be like and right. I had the means to do it because you know I saved up enough money like you know it's just that kind of thing like the more you work and the more the older you get you'll just learn how to like manage your finances and then you learn how to kind of put money away in certain places where you're like yep yeah, cool that's that's all right there so I have some 
you know, I was lucky that I had some kind of like uh, essence of space to kind of just go, let's move down to London for a few years and see what it's like, network, nice. meet people and uh, meet other artists. And it's it's changed the way I look at my work already. It changed the way I I do things like admin and stuff. So it's uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I kind of see it as like a, an exchange, a cultural exchange right in a way but that's only because i've exhausted a lot of my well i didn't exhaust a lot of energy but i exhausted a lot of like um, motivation and stuff back in sheffield i just kind of felt right. like i just need to get out of sheffield because it's my hometown and you don't want to grow to like be what's the word sick of your hometown you right, want to kind of, of maybe you take a break it, yeah. from it yeah because yeah. you know a lot of my best formative years have been in sheffield since uni and i just kind of start to feel like everyone around me, all my friends, you know, were, you know, they're moving on in their lives where they're all settling down and there was just like less things to do in a way, yeah. less people to hang out with. So I thought, well, all right, let's just take a break from it. You know, it's like when you're older. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, at the moment, like we, I went to the University of Bolton and then uh, went to, and I've gotten a job in Rosendale, which is not too far out of Manchester. And nice. I, uh, so I, I, the moment I'm just really enjoying my current position where I don't feel like I need to go search for a job in London. I know eventually, because mm. I'm, I'm somebody who, I can't sit still for very long. I know eventually I'm going to be like, I want to go travel over here or I want to go travel over there. Mm. But for right, right now, I'm, I know that I'm enjoying myself. And when that time comes where I feel mm. like I need to move on, I think that's, that's when I'll do it. But for I now, think you're for doing it right. I also tell a lot of people that are based up north that they don't have to move to London straight away. If they're like yeah. proper go-getters, you know, yeah. and they have the personality for it, then yeah, you should do it. But I didn't have the personality for it back then. Yeah. And I still garnered clients in London, luckily enough. And it kind of goes to show, I mean, like now, think about how things are now and how everyone's working remotely. It yeah. probably will up everyone else's game when it comes to outreach and hustling for contacts and stuff yeah. like it that doesn't was, really matter if you're based in the city because you can't have face-to-face -face yeah. meets that was my initial that. plan too because I, I went to dnad new blood this time last year that's where mm. I, I met mark for the first time and i thought oh, oh yeah, you mark, I <laughs> yeah there's, there's a podcast not a pod is it a podcast or is it it's just video, an interview? Yeah. the video yeah. i was meeting imagine that we, we never thought that we'd do a podcast together like I never no, said I, didn't. Then. <laughs> I know i remember embarrassingly enough we did the the interview and I couldn't remember the the I remember that it was called something waffle. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember what the first word was. I kept thinking, oh, it's called student waffle. And I don't know why I kept thinking that. <laughs> student waffle. And then a, and then a couple a couple months later, I was like, hey, there's the video because it just popped up on uh, on YouTube. And then from there, <laughs> but yeah, uh, my initial plan coming out of uni was definitely like, oh, I'm gonna go to London and I'm I'm gonna work there. But I got the job in Rosendale. It started as a two-week work, work placement. And I just thought, I actually kind of don't need to right now. Mm. And I'm, I'm really enjoying where I am. And then when I have the need to go, then I'll go. But right, right now. Well, London is a crazy rite of passage. So a lot of my friends that went down, like, they had to, like, I keep using the word hustle, but they hustled. I had a, I had a friend who went down on internships, unpaid, had to like sleep on couches. He was like strapped for money. So he had to like, you know, he had to like shoplift from the local Tesco's like his lunch and stuff. Oh. 
he did he, he got away with it for like maybe a month or two and then he got caught and he got banned from like every Tesco in like East London or something like that. You know, there's like crazy stories like that where, you know, unpaid internships were just the norm and people had to find like friends or they'd meet friends on a night out and go like, you got a couch, can I just like stay on your couch for a couple of days? And they'd do it. Because it was just such an accepted thing. Now like we there are a lot more kind of people like challenging it, but unpaid internships and, and things. That's what kind of like made London what in a sad way, that's kind of what sorted out like the week from the chat. If you have family that can back you up, then you you can send them to London on an unter, an unpaid internship. Mm. Which is quite sad. But then like ironically though, ten years later, when I come down to London, all of those friends are now like creative directors or they own their own companies, they've bought houses in London. Or some have moved back, but like their stories and such are kind of interesting because they just had to like get involved in in all the scene and learn how to navigate the creative scene and the creative industry in London. And you know, it's like what Paul Asher said: when you hit your thirties, all the people that you worked with in the past will end up kind of become important people by the time they're forty there'll be people of influence and you know those people of influence so you can help each other but you can also help the people in their 30s or help the people in their 20s and that's the kind of that's the that's the natural tier system really so the older you get you know hopefully if you keep you know like you keep talking to all of these creative people on the podcast mm. you'll know you'll keep in touch with each other and you'll see like where everyone's going and it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I'll be, I'd love to know what I'll be like when I hit my forties. <laughs> like I still think I'll be like a big kid, but we'll see. Begging my friends, like got any jobs? But, we'll be on episode like 600 by then. You'll be, you'll be back. You'll be, you'll be back on the podcast for like the, the 500th time, you know? Yeah. I'll be like, Oh, back again. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> lockdown. Three. Still be in lockdown. Yeah. Well, it, I, might be, I might even be a partner by then. Yeah, you, know, you probably will be. What's happened yeah. with uh, lockdown? Like, what's what's, what we what's happened? What's up with lockdown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Is it finished? Lockdown, are we? It's like, talk about World War Five. Like, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, but no, seriously, I was like, genuinely, I don't know if it's over. <laughs> You see, yeah, because like in London where I am right now, like there are people, you know, wearing masks and there's people not wearing masks. There's people wearing them in shops and there's people not wearing them in shops. Back in the studio space where I'm at, I have enough space between me and other people, so it's safe for me to go in. There's there's still people that are holding onto their desks, but they're just working from home. Uh, We've got like safety measures in place. There's like sanitizer, there's like hand wash everywhere and yeah, there's like signs to remind each other not to like congregate in the kitchen and things. But I don't know, it's kind of weird because in London I just feel like there's like a population of people that just aren't really taking the pandemic seriously. And I kind of feel like that's that's on fault of like government messaging. Like if they if the government kind of say this is serious and actually show it's serious, then people will go, okay, fine. But there's been mixed messages throughout the entire lockdown. And um, so, yeah. But, yeah, technically, I think, aren't we supposed to all wear masks in, inside shops yeah. and stuff? Is it, is it starting tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. We have to start yeah. But then, like, gyms are open again, you know, which is all right. It's, I guess it's okay. But then, like, I think a lot of the gyms, I'm with Pure Gym, so, like, they sent out a video just to kind of explain this is what 
it'll be likely you go back to the gym. You have to wipe down everything. There's like dispensers for sanitize the no one's wrap, do that. wipes everywhere. Yeah, you have to wipe it down before you <laughs> use it. It puts all the, the responsibility on individuals, which can you really count on that? <laughs> exactly. They're not a, like you see like a big like steroid up macho guy going to wiping down his, his the weights before he uses them. That's not happening. Yeah, and are you gonna tell him to do it as well? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you need people working there to do that. Like it's different in like the Far East. So like you know, like places like Hong Kong and Japan and particularly like Hong Kong. Mm. Like where they've had pandemics and well epidemics in the past, like there's like a bird flu in like the sixties and all this kind of stuff. So wearing a mask and personal hygiene is kind of ingrained into the culture anyway. Yeah. So if you ever go to Hong Kong, you see like people wearing masks even before the pandemic. It's just a it's just, it's just a sign of courtesy, like just to kind of I don't want to. It's not like oh you're all you're all dirty. It's more like I don't want to spread any germs yeah. I might have yeah, onto yeah. you. That's how yeah. people see it, but. Oh, I'm not going to get too political here, but over here, it just seems so, like people are like, I'm not going to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to know, do that. Like, Why should I have to do something I don't want to do? It's yeah, not. it's because, you know, the Brits, they've, they've never gone through anything like this before. So it's, it's a massive cultural change. But, you know, I guess what I'm kind of concerned about as, a, as an illustrator working freelance is what happens if a second wave happens and then we're under lockdown again. I've already gone through one lockdown. Am I going to repeat what I did in the first lockdown? Or yeah. will I be That's able to work on something during, during that lockdown? You know, maybe... Yeah. It's not going to be as big a shock to the system if it happens again. That's the only thing I'll keep saying myself, mm. is that hopefully people will just yeah. adjust easier because they've done it before. Yeah, I think so. I think also the important thing with what happened earlier this year with like the lockdown is, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Parasite, which you know, oh, I need to see that's, it. That's one movie I actually have watched. Yeah. My I've best friend, that, but not Fight Club. Parasite is amazing. There's like one Absolutely. quote in it which won't ruin. It won't ruin the film, but like the character says, the best plan is to never have a plan. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this year, if you had plans, if you set up a new business, if you like, you know, booked flights and whatever, yeah, or like planned a wedding, and like, and then this happened, it just kind of goes to show that like. It's not like don't be worried making plans, but it's how you deal with it afterwards that's really important. That like maybe you can take stock and be like, it's not the end of the world. It sucks. It's a great inconvenience, but things like this can just happen, and it makes you think about like what if natural disasters happen in other countries, and like you know what I mean. Like we've never had anything like that happen in this country mm -hmm. where it just totally stopped everything. And so I was hoping at the end of it, people would feel a little bit more grateful for what they have and what's available to them and such because it's, it's kind of important to like remind yourself you know i'm safe i'm i'm still using my digital devices i've got broadband i'm talking to you guys so things could be a lot worse right and yeah, exactly. i think like yeah so i think like what i do as a job is just you know it's i just feel lucky that i can still do it as a job Mm -hmm. So it makes me so after so out of this whole experience, I've just felt like super grateful, just really, really grateful for everything. Um, and so, you know, I'll try and utilize that and kind of implement it into my day. But you know, Millie, I also have lions as well. <laughs> so I, just made a, I used to yeah, be so good I, before lockdown. That's because it was yeah. a routine, and I had to be up half six every day because I had to drop my boyfriend to the station, and I had to go to the gym. Like it's just now the whole idea of. I work for myself. It doesn't really matter what time I get up. But then I just so feel bad about it. 
because you'll get the work done in the time yeah, you need. Exactly. That's it. Because you're the boss. Because you're the mm. boss. You know, just because you work for a client doesn't make them the boss. They're the client. Right. You're the boss. Yes. So, Good to remember that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> always, always see it that way. Like a client is just someone who just you know they need they need the plumber. Their toilet is broken. There's shit everywhere. You're gonna <laughs> fix it for them. And like you walk away from it, they're gonna have to waste time to find someone else. All the meanwhile, there's like shit everywhere. <laughs> also, if you want to talk. Cut, talk good design in movies, watch Parasite. I don't, I don't yeah, want to say this without, without uh, spoiling it. It's so hard. I don't know how to be around that that, that movie. <laughs> Just watch I've it. got a lot to say about Parasite as well. I love it's that a very, movie. very good movie. Fantastic. It's a very, very good movie. I, like Movies for me help me as an illustrator because it, they kind of give me an idea of how to compose scenes yeah. or like how to do portraits and stuff. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so I, I always try and like look into the language of movies. I don't know if you guys have ever seen one called Midsummer. Oh, I want to watch that. It's Florence Pugh. Is it Pugh? Yeah, it's Florence know? Pugh, yeah. and it's like it's, it's a it's a horror movie, but it's a beautiful horror movie. Yeah, really cleverly like, done, apparently. Yeah, it's really like weird. It's just it's mm. less like kind of I'd say Hereditary. The other one that the guy did that's creepy as hell. Like, you know, I don't even do horror movies really. I don't like horror movies, but. If it's a horror movie that's like an indie, RE type movie, then I'll watch it. And there's like so much good. It's not just camera work. It's just, it's just what you see in the composition, mm-hmm. like how things are laid out and stuff. Like, you know, it's like graphic design, like how you lay elements out and what you yeah. draw your eye to. Like good films make you look at the scene. Uh, but then also good films will also just make you focus on like the actors. But if the director's using the scene and the composition to kind of draw your eye to things, to kind of maybe hint, then I quite like that. Because I, I like to do that with my illustration. Draw things so they hint at other things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do the spoiler club, Mark. Yeah, please, uh, I want to do a spoiler cast about um, Parasite. Yeah, spoiler cast. <laughs> we should do it. Yeah, we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can do, yeah, if you want. If you want, coming soon. Coming soon. And books and everything. Yeah, we're just we call it like creative. Oh wait, no, creative views or anything. Uh, creative, creative waffle like, review. <laughs> uh, this is what creative waffle is. It's everything, isn't it? Waffle, waffle watches. We do. We do. Waffle, waffle watches. watches. <laughs> waffle watches. Really. I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, a watch review show. So we review different watches. Waffling watches, watches. <laughs> anyway, um, it's been good. You're probably starving, Gio. Uh, this has been. No, I'm alright. I'm good actually. It's too hot to eat though. Fair enough. Then. Fair enough. Carries walking. Another hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, I, I, could, I, I really could and will do go uh, like hours of you like talking. Um, oh, thanks. So, so whenever you do, go let me know. Out like in a pub and just be able to talk. Yeah, like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's just being active. Meet up in person and actually, mm. actually talk without the uh, internet lagging. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. human interaction. That's the thing I've been missing the most. Yeah. I've, I've seen two people outside my family since really March. Man, that's tough. Yeah, yeah that is tough. Really I, tough. I took for granted like how much I kind of just missed my housemates. <laughs> like when I came back, <laughs> got like just other people to talk to. I mean, like my dear old mom, she had to put up with me, like thirty-five-year-old. <laughs> child just like <laughs> eating every snack in the house and <laughs> leaving lights on and stuff like that <laughs> but yeah 
I, I, I tend to be someone who's okay on their own for a while, but I think like maybe at the start of the lockdown, I probably took it a little bit too far and then kind of was like, oh my God, I need to see people. Um, yeah. But it's because, you know, it's like you can, you can find ways to occupy your time. And I have, I have plenty to occupy my time. There's like books, TV, cartoons. I started watching anime again. And because I left my PS4 at my mum's, I was like, oh, I got my PS4 back. So I was just like playing games with friends online. So like the days, my lockdown experience was quite chill. It was just like being a kid in summer again. You know, when you like finished high school and you haven't got yeah, a yeah. part-time job, you're just mucking around doing nothing. But I just couldn't see friends. That was it. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Do you reckon mm. uh, you'll carry any of this stuff through? So you reckon you'll carry it on from tomorrow when lockdown? I think I think it is tomorrow. I think like from what everyone's saying, you know, we have to wear masks in public and uh, the gym's open Saturday. So I've, I've, I, it almost sounds like tomorrow is the day when lockdown ends. Yeah. Like yeah. steps end, though, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's been a real transition. Like, there's never been just an end to lockdown yeah. like people started coming around and sitting in the garden and then yeah. it, and then it became going around and popping around to other people's houses and sitting out yeah sitting outside in their garden and then six it, to and a then, group and yeah. yeah and then the restaurants opened and then we were going for socially distanced meals and things like that and then yeah you could, you could go out and meet your friends in parks it's all just like little things mm. so yeah i don't know if there was ever actually a, an end to it I think the interesting thing is this, it, like working out how it's going to affect our industry. So like yeah. people are always going to need uh, graphic designers, maybe illustrators, I don't know, but someone's always going to have to sell a product. Someone's always going to have to sell or like kind of communicate something and market something. So how you'll be able to get those jobs and how you'll get on those people's radars is going to be a very different thing. Like it's common knowledge that a lot of people that commission work, or people that are like editors and art buyers or whatever will use social media. Like they'll look at uh, artists' social media accounts, or they'll look at you know their email, their email inbox of like loads of different people that are sending like portfolios. So it'd be interesting to see how people navigate how they find work. And I guess the this is going to be like the real digital age where it's going to be hard to get a face-to-face -face meet. You yeah. might be able to send in physical stuff, like a postcard or whatever, but there probably isn't anyone in the office. So like, that's how I used to do it. I used to send postcards, I used to send stickers, but who do I send them to? I can't send them to someone's home. I can't ask them for their home address. <laughs> so I've got to do it totally online. And hopefully, you know, and my, I, need to, I probably need to talk to my agents to see how, how they're handling uh, reaching out to new clients and such, because a lot of, Agents and agencies will want to do face-to-face -face portfolio meetups where they bring the artist portfolios to the client. They can't do that anymore. So no. I think it's it'll be interesting. I don't think it's like totally the end of what we do because I'll at the end of the not. day, yeah, at the end of the day, we're surrounded by screens, and so you need beautiful graphics and you need like nice-looking uh, packaging exactly. and all these other things. So it's like a weird paradox. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like. Yeah, two ways of looking at it where mm. like there's the worry that people don't have the money or the inclination to, to do these things anymore and like a graphic design illustration that sort of thing is like a luxury add-on to a business it's not like operational necessarily um so it's a bit like oh are we going to be needed are people yeah. going to be making cuts so they're going to not want this sort of stuff but then on the flip side i've sort of noticed from my clients that a lot of people have had these big ideas 
in lockdown where they've had time to stop as we said like time to stop and reflect and think about how to go forward people have stopped and looked at their branding and gone oh how could we do that differently or they've come up with a new mm-hmm. business idea and thought oh well, well we need to we need to build it we need a brand or uh, obviously i do branding so that's how i modulate it too but yeah there, there is like there, there's going to be a lot of new stuff when we get back into what's normal the world's surely got to catch up yeah I've, yeah it's interesting that because like even roles within companies is changing like one of my i found out that one of my friends is a graphic designer for a publication in london he's like he's been made redundant and he's been applying for other jobs as a graphic designer and they're asking like ridiculous amount of skill sets from like you know you have to be able to do photography and video editing and filming as well as become as well as graphic design it's like oh like you want this like all in one person like are you paying the proportionate amount of money for that person then or is it just yeah. he's just on a on like a senior level graphic design yeah uh, they're on budget and can't afford all those people <laughs> exactly and that's it's, it's bs and like i really hate stuff like that i understand there's budgetary cuts and things but like there's that interesting thing that happened uh on social media where uh sort of taking a snippet of like a public survey about like who, who about people's people's opinions on like who had the most important job so like you know you had like care workers you had like postmen blah, 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 delivery drivers and at the bottom was like artists and that was like oh, a I snippet from yeah you saw that but that was a snippet from the singapore financial times i think so it wasn't like a british it wasn't a british paper but someone had taken that it's kind of took it out of context a bit and then you know even i posted it on social media but then i was kind of thinking i can see people in the uk thinking that that artists aren't important like because they'll be like no what's important right now are nurses and this this and that which granted is true but then it's kind of like that's funny that because i'm sure you're probably furloughed right yes what you've been doing watching netflix all oh, right yeah netflix that's interesting you know a writer made that show you know actors did that show yeah uh, you probably have spotify artists you know kid you got kids they play video games yeah artists have made that game as well mm. uh coloring books yeah artists you know what i mean it's like it's that kind of thing where it's almost like in, yeah it's, it's so almost invisible yeah. yeah it's it's so perfect like things that are perfect are not noticeable in a way always, right? i've always loved that quote of the um good design is, is invisible to the to eye or whatever it's like yeah. the whole idea of is if if something was really badly designed that you would know about it like you would be That's complaining so but exactly. because things look pretty and they do what they're supposed to do is so overlooked exactly it's like sorry no go on you i was gonna say they say that in in american football which i try and bring into every podcast apparently (laughs) where there's a there's linesmen who protect the quarterback and you only ever know the linesman name if they do a bad job (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah yeah that's i I, I quite like that yeah but it's it's kind of true though it did make me think that like i try and elevate um stuff that i do all the time just to kind of show that like you know if you like it and if you reshare it and everything i'm glad that um you reacted that way i'm glad that you like the work that i make but then like you know even i sometimes take for granted music uh, i used to buy a lot of cds and things and then it just became like an inconvenience to have loads of cds and so i used to like download music even illegally download the music it kind of just like didn't even take into account that like like 
so you know someone spent time to make that music and more yeah. often than not it's the record label that makes the most money from that mm-hmm. it's not the artist and you know but then like now i use spotify and if i can i buy vinyl i buy like the uh, vinyl records or i buy like t-shirts and merch and stuff but it's like that kind of thing or like, even i take it for granted too like i used to like i used download illegal like movies and things before they came out of the cinemas and just watch them instead of paying the fee and just think, oh yeah, like I'd be complicit to that totally as well. But it made me really think though, like if somehow there's like a culling of jobs, like, okay, art, art is illegal, artists are illegal, not allowed to have Yeah, them, I don't need right? anyone. I'd, like to, I'd love to see what that world looks like when there's no artists. I wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> it's so interesting because it'd be like, what did you listen to today? It's like, listen. Listen to yeah. what? What do you mean? Like, you know, music? Birds. Music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The wind. Like, no one watches film. There's no fear. People, <laughs> people just do nothing. They don't even read. Like, people just do nothing when they get home. It's like, Because yeah. that's, that's how it would be. It's, it's yeah. kind of interesting. <laughs> it's like, it it is interesting it's like, when you think of it like that. Mm. And ironically, that, that, that clip that was on about that I was talking about, an artist had made up the diagrams he was thinking. Yeah. That's just so stupid. Bet they were really enjoying that when they had to do that job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imagine being that artist and you're looking at that. And that's the brief, and you're just like, oh, god damn it, man. Am I a joke? I hate you? what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. That's so funny. Yeah. So I think it will be interesting to see what it'll be like in the next couple of months, I think. Yeah. Um, whether we, we retain our value or. Yeah, whether we retain our value. I mean, what's going to happen with, like, you know, like, I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever done. Um, Christmas related work like around this time we start to get briefs for like Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. like marketing and whatever like I get a couple every so often and yeah I've not heard anything because so Christmas is all about going out and you know being merry and seeing mm. family and friends and, and the whole economy is built on you know buying presents so going out to buy presents but now it'll be like all online shopping and stuff so it's kind of shift. it's kind of interesting because whatever happens in the world is obviously going to happen it's going to affect like what it is that we do in our output so they are kind of like worrying times but we're all in the same boat yeah um, if we, sure unless that. you're like top tier like top tier designer top tier illustrator and you just don't have to worry about anything you're just like people are just like slitting wrists yeah. to get work off you and stuff jesus <laughs> great time um, to be getting into the industry eh? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I oh, feel bad for um, this year's graduates, actually. Like, I guess you didn't get <laughs> yeah, a degree, yeah. you know. No, yeah, no graduation. Nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, that's really sad, that, because I, not to rub salt in the room, but I kind of feel like the, the best part of, like, being in the final year is to have your degree show, and you get to say goodbye yeah. to your, to your um Yeah, the last time I saw my classmates, we were just like, see you next week then, and that yeah, was it. It's, it's really, yeah. it's really unfortunate, like, I've actually really felt for the students this year. Like I didn't get to, I didn't even get to say goodbye to the third years this year. I had worked yeah. for the second years, so they were my last years, second years, and you know I was like saying I can't wait for your degree show. It's gonna be great because like you know it's that like elation, everything's done, and yeah, you know, it's quite emotional because it's like the end of your journey and everything. So we were really excited as well. Show. Thank you, but yeah, we do get we get like a. Hopefully, anyway, if things go to plan, we, we should be getting a graduation maybe in November. Good. But obviously, mm. everyone's sort of 
doing their own thing by then it's not really this the same obviously it's nice to still have something mm, yeah. but um yeah i was kind of gutted this year as well because it was the first year that my university were doing a project showcase oh. so we um instead of doing like a dissertation as you would do on like a typical degree i suppose mm. with most creative degrees you do this but we did like a final year project which was literally all we did since christmas it was worth half of our final year and um we were gonna have all these big companies come in and look at the projects that we've done and it was oh. really hyped up and all going to be very exciting but uh, obviously that got cancelled too <laughs> which oh, is quite really annoying yeah yeah it's really really annoying because then i guess like during because what happens also during a degree show time is you know you get some people some companies and some people they're scouting for yeah you know interns and maybe like new staff members so that's probably put like a dampener on it as well so yes Definitely, because yeah, all those job weird. opportunities that we were sort of banking on weren't really there. Mm. Yeah, now it's exactly. the real taste of the fittest, isn't it? Now it's the real yeah. smart of the fittest. It is, yeah. If you're worth it, then you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a thing as well, though, right? I don't think that's a negative uh, statement, unless you, unless you're not good enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think the most important thing is, in fact, that, let's say, you know, Millie is probably an example of like loads of others that are doing the same thing. They're just keeping proactive and they're. You know, they're, they're yeah, doing exactly. it their way, and they're learning what they do. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like if you know, if you have a job, you have clients, and you know, you're you're working, even if you're going through quite a bit of strife, like if clients being awkward or whatever, it's all still valuable experience. It's better than like yeah, definitely doing what I was doing for the past three months, just sitting on my ass watching TV. <laughs> but no, you know, like that's in, the rest time's important too. The rest yeah. time, the rest time yeah. is important. As you said, yeah. I saw a quote actually. Um, if you, like, if you don't take a break, you'll eventually break. And like, yeah, mm. it's true. Yeah. It's on Twitter somewhere, I think. But it is important to kind of utilize that break time. I think if there's another lockdown that happens, I will probably use that as a perfect excuse just to catch up on some of the animes that I didn't even finish. You know, or like catch up on like films yeah. again and. Yeah. Kind of it's made me it's... think I, I having this conversation as well how could i use another lockdown better if yeah we could have another one Same. like i sort of almost want another. No, I, I don't want another one but like no, we i'm just i'm just saying like, if i had that time again like i almost i almost yeah. feel like if i knew it was coming i could prepare for it better yeah and uh i'm sure you probably all spent lockdown in the best way you could Mm, I'm sure we do. It's just like that critical thing in your mind, isn't it? It is weird though when yeah. you think of it like that. If we all knew that we were going to be locked down in our houses for like three more, three, four months, what would you said? What would you have planned? Because I remember at the start when everyone was saying, "Oh, like we're going to be in lockdown for like two, three weeks." Exactly. And everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah we can just, yeah. we can just chill." Yeah. But, and <laughs> then buy a lot of toilet didn't. paper, apparently. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, bake loads of banana bread. <laughs> True. Oh yeah. my god! Actually, yeah. it's a good point because I thought it was going to be three weeks, and um, yeah. I ended up staying back up north for like, like two and a half, like three months. Yeah. But I think secretly, secretly, when it was like a month in, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I'm going to just yeah. try and enjoy it, and and use it as like as um, as holiday time. I'm crap at giving myself holiday. I'm oh, really yeah. bad, and oh, so yeah. I guess like only when I was in like. You know, where I had girlfriends and stuff in the past, and they'd be like, oh, "We're gonna go on holiday." I'm like, "Oh, are we?" And then they're the ones that would snap me out of it, and I would eventually, you know, enjoy a holiday. But I'm, I'm just like my parents, you know, like um, 
like my dad, like, and my mom, they just they were just workaholics all the time. It's just that kind of weird thing, really. So, but then when, but but I'm like also the polar opposite. When I get really lazy, God, I can be like really lazy. Lions, do it, sitting on my phone doing nothing, and it's just like, oh yeah, it's like really really bad. Really you find bad. it hard to drag yourself out of that. Um, the only sometimes it's better just to go through the motion and then feel bad about it and then make make the most of it next time. Mm. Right. Guys, my laptop's going to die. I'm going to have to go get my charger real quickly. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, like I think if another lockdown, um, another lockdown happens, then I think God, I'll just roll the punches again. There's, you, you can't plan for these things. Yeah. The best, really best plan, plan is no plan. The best plan is no plan. <laughs> there you go. But I have projects on, like personal projects, so I'll definitely utilize those. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah like, like what can you do like these are very uncertain times mm-hmm. i know that like people are just kind of like uh, going about their everyday thing at the moment but i think now there's probably a sense of normality about it all uh, yeah. like, kind of if there was another lockdown i'd feel pretty normal about it i'd just be mm-hmm. like great cool i think i'd read more i like i like your that's why I'd, well, I'd I'd your, yeah 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 i like when you said that i think i'd actually like plan it in like so it's so, because i have books and stuff but yeah i don't i don't read them <laughs> so i think the most really important thing is is i tried to teach myself how to meditate over lockdown that was kind of important so like but i think what i wanted out of meditation was to just empty my mm. thoughts or just yeah. kind of like level all of these like floating things that like floating around my head and it took I'm still practicing. I'm not very good at it, but it's just just sitting still and just like sitting still, breathing, and just trying to like keep your mind focused on one center point, just to kind of empty your thoughts. If you can do it for like, oh, I do it for like ten minutes, and then build it up to fifteen minutes, build it up to twenty minutes, and it does actually help. It then allows you to kind of go, I'm gonna sit and read now, or I'm I'm not gonna go on my phone. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like you go to your phone to be distracted. Because there's like so much shit like floating around your head, and so I kind of felt like that's my that's this interesting thing I want to work on. So you know I can't go to the gym. When I was going to the gym, I was like working on you know trying to just trying to be fit and trying to get into shape. But if I can't go to the gym, then I'll try and work on this and get this into shape. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than like adding like panic and anxiety to this. Mm when literally all you can do is just sit in a house and do nothing. So if you're going to sit in a house and do nothing, try and teach your brain to kind of enjoy nothing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And if we're going to do a Joe Rogan episode, we're going to do a Joe Rogan episode. So like, <laughs> let's, let's get into another subject. Um, I, I've been trying to uh, to do that. And that's, I think going up the hill has definitely helped me and, and sitting out the top of the hill with a nice view and just breathing and just sitting there. Um, that's definitely helped. But um, I've been thinking a lot about digital diets and like feeding your brain. And because you, you said feeding your brain there, and that was it's an interesting trigger. It's like we don't put, well, I try not to put shit into my body. So I, I don't really, I never, I haven't eaten McDonald's for every year. I don't need that sort of stuff anymore. Like I'm trying to think more about this. And oh, I think it's even more powerful for your brain. I think, yeah. I think it's, yeah. you've got to look after that more than you have for your, your body, especially at younger age. Mm. 
So I'm wondering like, how much of this, because I've deleted social media from my phone and it's stayed off since I deleted it. And it's been really, I think it's really helped. Um, I think it's identifying triggers and then knowing that those triggers do this. So they usually kind right. of go, right, I'll either find a coping mechanism or I'll just like, oh, the coping mechanism could be, it's just out of my life. Mm. And that is a good, that's a good positive action because some, you know, like, some things are just so habitual that you don't really think that like it's a trigger. Um, also, sometimes when like I have like a really hard day at work, it's like you know, dealing with clients or whatever. Like I, I used to, I used to run a lot, and running to me, once you kind of like run the same route and you know it inside out, you're almost like you don't really think about it, and like you can let your thoughts just like. Um, just kind of like run away with you. I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes you're thinking about, oh my God, this hurts. And then after a while your body normalizes. Cause if you are so used to running the body, just, it just like kicks into gear and it's like, yep, yeah, you're running now and you're on autopilot. And it's almost like meditating in a way. It's the closest thing to meditating. 100%, like you just yeah. kind of, you can, or you can focus on a problem, think about it and think about it and think about it whilst you're running. And because you're running, you're putting yourself through exertion, maybe a little bit of pain and somehow, <laughs> You can think through, I don't know what it is. It's like after you break through that barrier, you're kind of like, oh, it's not a problem anymore. Or you've kind of processed an answer or you just kind of learn to let it go. And then obviously like after the run, you stretch off and you've got like, you know, the endorphins are floating around and you just feel great. You feel good. You feel a bit cleansed because you've sweated all that stuff out, you've taken a shower and, you know, and for the rest of the evening or the rest of the day, you just kind of like, yeah, cool. Not floating around. Just like going to the gym. If you kind of exert yourself, you just feel like you feel all tight and stuff. You feel like a bit achy, but it's a good ache. You like yeah. Yeah. even like leg day. I hate leg day, but then I also love leg day. <laughs> like getting downstairs, it's like oh man. But then you feel like, but I did something. Yeah. And it's kind of weird how like I never used to be like a gym junkie or like a, I used to play football and I ran a lot, but going to the gym really changed. The way I looked at exercise, but it affected my running. I just won't go running anymore. I just just go to the gym. So this has allowed me to get back into running again. And now I'm like, yep, mm. this this helps my brain more. But the gym helps me other parts, if that makes sense. Mm. I guess it's different for everyone. But I felt I think- like the gym helped my sleeping as well when I was in there frequently. And that, mm. like, I went. The most frequently I went to the gym was probably in my third year of university. And I felt like my work got better because I got that experience. I'd got that time away, away from my keyboard to not focus on. Yeah. That was kind of like my meditation was the whole idea of working yeah. out because my mind kind of goes on to something else. And then I'm not thinking about all the rationale that I have to find behind a piece of design. Mm. And then I'd come home and then just crash and go to bed and I'd end up having a good amount of sleep. It's a yeah. good neutral space. But also, yeah. like, as, you know, like how we're designed as, you know, as humans, we're, we're meant to move. So, like, like you know, Mark, earlier you said you've been sitting, sitting looking at the screen all day. You need to go for a walk. And, like, you know, I, I try and fit in a lot of walking time as well. Like, I hate – sometimes when you're working, you're just stationary for, like, hours. And it's, you know, you just think that's not good for you like later in life so it's good to keep moving which is why having exercise is such a good balance but the one thing you know I, i'm starting to, i want to work towards is is learning to exercise this a little bit more and 
like clear give 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 my brain the care it needs basically and stop giving it so much like so much crap to worry about just like learn to just like what's the word um so you defragment a computer don't you right you know like so you let files get like filed away or whatever so that's what med- that's what meditation can do and also that's what sleep can do that's what getting a good night's sleep allows you to do that and that's a good like, trick sorry yeah sorry, sorry. i've read so many books on like the science of sleep and just kind of hmm. it's interesting i always have to give myself seven to eight hours if it's any any lower psychologically i'm, I'm geared to be like grouchy and just really knocked off <laughs> kind yeah, of like yeah. when you're hung over and you just feel like god i'm not 100 percent like that <laughs> no exactly it's a good tip as well i i found um at lunchtime it's just you may not go to sleep but like 15 minutes just lay down and just close your eyes oh my god if i were from home i'd nap yeah nap like 15 <laughs> minutes it's not even i don't think i'd be able to trust myself to get back up for the afternoon <laughs> honestly honestly genuinely it's like the, the best thing it's best for me, 40, 40 minutes is the maximum time for napping 40 minutes also, I've napped off the back of having a coffee. Well, I've had a coffee in the house. I'm yeah, like, yeah, the same. <laughs> oh, I'm really tired. I'll just like have a nap. So 20 minutes I nap, and I'm like, I feel great. <laughs> no, it is. They, they do say about caffeine, uh, drinking caffeine before you have a nap. Mm. There's something about that where it's, by the time you finished, it's like you're you're fully awake again. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's weird. It's awake. Yeah, yeah, because the brain is like the brain is a constant sponge, like like taking mm. in lots of information and such and. And we're the thing is, more and more than it needs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes we give it more than it needs, and and like like I said earlier, we can be our like worst enemies. Like we can kind of like, get into like these weird loopholes and like funks about stuff. And and I think it's kind of important to like maybe learn mechanisms that kind of allow the brain just to like empty these things. But a good night's sleep is like totally vital as well. As yeah. square and boring as I sound living in london it's like oh it's not dream. like mm, well yeah, i mean i think right. it's it's important to tell people because you hear a lot of other people giving advice who are rich mm. and say i got rich because i don't sleep and it's like oh i think but... they're just they're megalomaniacs i right, like, exactly. think about it like people like donald trump or like mm. um, the guy who set up alibaba and all these other people that say they mm. sleep like two hours a night three hours a night or whatever I'm sorry, but they're on course for like dementia or something. Because yeah. the brain needs time to rest. Unless they are unique people, unless like somehow they have like weird mechanisms in their brain that help. So like when you go to sleep and you fall into deep sleep and light sleep, your brain activates a chemical that helps clear out dead matter in the brain. So like every time you fire off the brain cell, it creates waste. You know, they're like dead yeah. proteins in the brain and they're just hanging in there. And so when you go to sleep, they get cleared out. That's why you need to sleep. That's why you can't yeah. function after yeah. two days of not sleeping because yeah. your brain is like flooded. Clogged up, like, yeah. That's, that's it, it's clogged up. That's yeah, why it's also bad to drink too much coffee maybe like three hours before you go to bed or caffeine in general because like caffeine kind of blocks those passages yeah. um, you know, that stop you from sleeping. But then when's the last time you had like a really crazy drunken night out and you blacked out and you couldn't remember what happened the night before or it's patchy because you don't have a proper night's sleep because those because alcohol block those chemicals from helping you clear those clear that dead matter but also form new memories you know what i mean like when you go to sleep your memories will start to like 
log and store. So that's why when you're younger, I wish I knew this when I was a kid, not to like revise late into the night, you know, I get stressed out about it. I would just forget. Yeah, it's just don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't remember it because you just didn't allow yourself the time to rest. And that's why I don't do late nighters anymore. <laughs> when I used to, I used to do lots of late nighters. But you just don't, I don't feel as creative anymore. But when I was a student, I was really creative late at night. Yeah. And I don't know why. But then now, like, if I, if an American class, like, oh, I need you to work on this quickly, can you have it ready by the morning because of the time zone? I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. you're out of your mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a chance. I won't be able to do that at all. Um, so, yeah, so, like, looking at the, I talk, I talk a lot about the brain a lot. And like the mind, because uh, my dad, he passed away two years ago from, uh, he had Alzheimer's. He developed Alzheimer's really early in his life. So like around um, 59, I think he had it. So the rule of thumb is if you get Alzheimer's when you're younger, it it progresses really quickly. But if you've got like dementia, Alzheimer's, like around 70 or 80 years old, you you could live for another 10, 15 years. But my dad, they gave him like, seven years max and and so it kind of got me into researching like what happens to the brain and why the brain's important and the sad thing was you know like with dementia and alzheimer's and stuff you lose a lot of memories and you can't form new memories but the only thing that you have eventually is like past memories so you, you have to learn to communicate with them by um negotiating with their past and trying to like bring it into like what's happening now just to try and get a conversation out of them and obviously because if my dad had it I'm, off, I'm always thinking about well is it hereditary will I get it in the future so me studying like sleep patterns and studying the brain is like really important to me and looking after the yeah. brain I don't it know is really interesting as well mm-hmm. it, it is really is. interesting yeah because I don't it know does. if my dad had coping mechanisms mm-hmm. or a good sleep pattern mm-hmm. or anything like that um, he was a very quiet, proud man. So he might have had like anxieties about things, but he couldn't talk about. No. So he, she had to internalize them. So who knows what that does to the brain? And so that's why I'm really focused about like just things like that. You know, like looking after your mind, finding coping strategies for when you're stressed out, and all those other things. I just don't want to be the guy that tweets, oh, this client's a real dickhead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just want to be able to just handle it and be like, that's done. Yeah. What's the next thing? So, yeah. And, you know, this is this is my moneymaker, so I've got to look after it. <laughs> you think of it's course. the hands business? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's important, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, definitely. That's uh, just... When you put it like that, it's just, yeah, it makes you realise how, how much sleep you've been missing. <laughs> how much you've yeah. neglected it. Well, you, you know, when I was like, when I was younger in my 20s, when I finished university, I, I didn't have a routine or anything. And I would go out, get wrecked, sleep in. I just, you know, I had loads of like anxieties about stuff. Even back then, I couldn't really, we didn't really talk about mental health back in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s. It wasn't a thing. I mean, TV shows like The Sopranos like highlighted it and slightly normalized it. But now, you know, in, in like the 2010s, further on, like it's a it's a thing everyone can talk about. And the amount of friends I've spoken to that said, yeah, they've been seeing therapists, and I was like, oh, great, you know, people that I, I would have thought back in the day would never even think about getting a therapist. So it just kind of goes to show that it's good to talk about these things. 
but also now however realizes that the mind is very important and you should look after it but when i was when i was younger i was just like not really looking after myself diet sleep everything but it's different now like it's more normalized to kind of be aware of these things and yeah like i like using my work i like using my artwork to try and communicate these things on a on a level where it's like I'm not trying to preach at you, but I'm just trying to just say things are bad, but also things are good. And if you're looking at this on your smartphone, then you're not in that, you know, you're in an okay place, you know, compared to others yeah, without trying point. to be preachy, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just all about context and perspective, really. Like, because like, I think, I don't know if I said it in the previous podcast, but as as an anchor to my life, there's something that I can always reflect back on if I ever feel like, oh, why the hell is this happening to me kind of thing? At least I have like the lessons I have from my dad and, you know, that entire chapter of like his illness and knowing how, what it's like to, you know, like to experience something that's like really kind of bad that you can't escape from. I have that now, but I can never use that, you know, to make a point with someone else because that's really, that's a really unfair thing to do because it's not their experience. But so it's a very personal thing to me. So I'll but I'll try and translate how I see things in a way where you know I don't want to preach, but also just to remind you that like you're gonna be okay, you'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine. You can experience like some of the worst things in life, and then you know a few years later you're talking to people about it on a podcast, and you know feeling quite okay talking about it. So yeah. it kind of goes to show that. Um, you constantly move like I always feel like as humans like we are moving we were just talking about exercise just then you know and how like necessary it is that we have to keep moving right. like it's good for our brain but you know we're always constantly moving you never yeah. stay still doing it's like what we said about the the peaks and troughs of of design life but like personal yeah. level as well you're always moving forward you're always learning from things and mm -hmm. it's all of, yeah it's all about perspective it's always always about remembering that things aren't always going to be bad but also acknowledging that things aren't always going to be good and then appreciating the good times all the more for that's it that's true yeah that's true i because i i always kind of feel like i was actually quite a pessimist when i was younger just like really pessimistic about a lot of things but there is like a nice there's a nice energy to like being optimistic about things about being hopeful about stuff i know like things at the moment in like the news and how things are going on in the world and stuff it's not it's not a very optimistic place but then if you can't immediately change what's going on in the world then you can at least immediately help and affect the people around you so it's family and it's friends and it's other creatives as well like you yeah. say during lockdown you're having podcast episodes and recordings and talking to other creative people that is helping you know you're helping your people you're helping your peers because your creative brothers and sisters are also going through the same thing as you. And like you say, it's comforting hearing that like we're all in the same boat and, you know, and it's, it's something, you know, it's not, a, it's not valueless. It's, it is something. And then where'd you go from there? You know, Mark, who knows what you'll do with the podcast and who knows, you know, you know, you two, like what you'll do with your, with your careers you might go on to like make interesting things that help other people that inspire other people that's why i want to get into teaching because 
I kind of felt like maybe my legacy in a way isn't my work because my artwork will always change and maybe maybe the artwork doesn't stand the test of time but maybe being able to teach people stands you know it stands a test of time because like yeah. you teach someone or you kind of inf you help someone on their path then they can go on to do good things and I don't even have to know if they've made something good just I'm safe in the knowledge that I had a good experience teaching them and maybe one day they can like acknowledge it to someone else like oh I had this one good teacher I had this one good teacher at Nottingham Trent um uh, Neil Creswell I think he's still there and I think he's still an illustrator and I probably only had two years with him and maybe not that many interactions with him but he was like really inspiring because he was like really outspoken and everything he would explain to me was in, in analogies and with using an analogy like like you know like it's like cutting your nose off to spite your own face you know, he'd use a lot of that to explain his ideas and explain to me how i could do this work and how i could become an illustrator really influenced me it inf and how he teaches is kind of like how i teach or how i talk to students and so he probably doesn't even know it i probably never even had the chance to tell him i should email him but i don't know how to just to tell him like yeah because of you i you know i teach at university because because he had such a passion for it you know like i have a passion for it as well but i but like i don't know how far i can take it other than just to like uh, like teach so yeah i do get my linkedin yeah yeah i think i think i do have him on linkedin actually i just never <laughs> reached out to him and said like oh you know what i teach because of you uh, one of the other tutors i have um allison <clears throat> um she's great as well allison Alison Barnett, I think she's teaching, uh, she's teaching at a university in London now. But um, yeah, she reached out and was like, you know, kind of said, oh, it's really cool what you're doing and stuff, which means a lot to me because as creatives, we want recognition, don't we? Like we want some kind of acknowledgement that like, what we're doing is, is good and yeah. it validates all the time and all the effort that we're putting into it. <clears throat> like I got that from my dad before, like uh, he lost, <clears throat> lost most of his like kind of, faculties like you know you kind of actually said oh i do actually like what it is that you did and i didn't really know how to take that at the time i was like oh my god that's weird i'm getting praise from you like <laughs> getting praise from mom and dad oh i thought i wanted this but i don't want it this is too weird because it's just like because the game for me was to get to be good to show them and once that like i achieved that it's like oh i achieved it it's probably different to like winning like the Champions League or something, but you're like, oh, it's just complacency. I just don't want complacency in what I do ever. And so I, people have told me I'm very hard on myself as well in life and with my work. But I try not to whip myself too much because that can be um, like a very dark spiral in itself. Yeah, yeah. But to be complacent is like the worst thing. But I don't think it'll ever happen but sports people are always hard on themselves because they want to be really really good the thing is though a sportsman a sportsman's career is finite whereas like i don't see myself ever retiring from becoming a uh, freelance illustrator like i'll still be making pictures and painting and drawing hopefully you know into my 80s or whatever <clears throat> i don't think i'll ever get bored of it because i enjoy it too much so like to me this is a job it's a lifestyle. It's um, what about your 90s, though? You're gonna keep going through that? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. 
90s maybe Who's, who knows maybe like by then we'll be able to like transfer my brain into a cyborg or something i'll be doing it in the future who knows but yeah it's like i always wanted to be an artist when i was younger but i didn't really know what an artist did over there create work and become famous but as i'm getting older it's i think to me being an artist isn't i don't want like museums and art galleries and stuff i just want it to be like an exploration of like how far I can kind of utilize visual language and you know and if I can find a way to document the stuff that I do visually then that's what being an artist is to me but in the meantime to kind of supplement that lifestyle and support me that's why I'm an illustrator that's why I create artwork for people because they can pay me money I can pay my bills I can pay my gym membership and all that other mm. stuff you know like I can live a life and then and then I have this other pursuit just to, you know, purely for exploratory reasons. Like you look at scholars, you know, mm -hmm. people that explore an area of interest, like philosophy, religion, or like people that study other writers and things. And, you know, to me, that's what like being an illustrator artist is about. It's like, it's an interest. I, I, I like looking at how people use art to communicate ideas and, you know, I want to be one of those people. I want to be someone who tried something new that maybe a student kind of goes, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know, and yeah. take some kind of ownership over that. But, but we'll see. Because real, you know, there's no, there's no rules for life. Like it just, life can get in the way sometimes. So, yeah. I like it. Oh, and this is, this is interesting. I like hearing you, you go down this route. I've got loads of like Far Eastern philosophical BS. That's probably that's probably it. <laughs> it's interesting, though. It's interesting. It, yeah, yeah it is. It's. It, I think it's interesting because, like, you reflect on a lot of stuff in life. Like, your work can be your life. My work is my life. But then also, I have all these other things that I'm grateful for in life. I've met really good people. I've collaborated with really good people. I've been treated really well. And you feel kind of sad when that's kind of over, you know, like when the next stage comes, you know, like people move on and things move on and you feel kind of sad about it. And you start to kind of think like, well, life isn't like, you know, like what Millie said, life is peaks and troughs. And so when it's the trough, how do you act? What should you do? So when it's the trough, you should, well, make your way back up the, you know, out of the trough and try and work on things and learn things about yourself or look at, you know, like just work on yourself and try and become slightly more leveled up. So by the time you kind of reach up over the trough, you're kind of like, yeah, cool. I'm on to the next thing. So it's like a constant, it's a constant road. It's a constant path. And like going back to like the long game theory, long game would be like, point A, point Z, and then like basically going, just like traversing the line slowly for the next like 80 years. But what if along the 80 years you have a winding path, you try different yeah, things yeah. and this happens, life still yes. happens. There's that you graphic that goes around on social media, isn't there, where it's like what you think your career is going to be and it's just like a straight yeah. line. It's like yeah. Whatever, yeah. what your creative career really is and it's like a... <laughs> it's yeah, like, so yeah. yeah. So that was cool. A. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That was A and that was Z. And the path is straight, but then like it's like like this. That's mm. the scenic route. That's like yeah, off the, the that's off the beaten trail where like you'll 
you know, where you'll try different things. You'll, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, Make more memories. <laughs> yeah. I guess like because having a death in the family always makes you think about like you want to learn about. Like my dad was quite a quiet guy, so I didn't really um, ask him a lot of things. We'd get like stories from him and things like that, but you start to like question what are my stories and what are his stories, and I think only like, I'm not, I'm not even like an old person, but I'm so reflective and so like kind of nostalgic and I'm really sentimental about like you know really nice memories that I have that. I just feel like even though I have a really bad experience, like life to me has been quite beautiful. I've been very privileged that life to me has been a very interesting experience thus far. And it's still interesting. And that's kind of like what makes me happy when I'm walking from the studio to the flat, to the flat, you know, from the studio, like <clears throat> walking in amongst London when it's like summer, I just feel like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, very very lucky i'm very blessed i can enjoy this experience but that's me talking as a 35 year old i wasn't like this when i was in my mid you know early 20s i was just mm. doing what you guys were doing this but, is it by talking to you we get this perspective as well yeah like we yes. get we get this and try and understand it and like yeah you mentioned when we were in that pub in london um when we were having a drink together we you mentioned to me your like your, the son being like a more a better improved version of the of the the father, the father. Um, yeah and the natural state of like when you look at your parents yeah when you look at your parents and you know there's a point where you're raised by them and you look up to them because they teach you everything in a way right you think they know loads of stuff and then as you get older you start to realize my god you know nothing like they don't know <laughs> how to like program their phone they don't know how to use the internet they don't know what broadband is or anything so you're, you're there to like oh, okay this is what you do you know like how do i fill up this how do i pay the bill online it's like oh i'll show you how to do it mm. that kind of thing and you start to realize that you are a, you are a different version of your parents but you are slightly you are the better version of your father and your father was a better version of your granddad you know there's like this natural evolution so i'll think about that if you know if i ever have kids and like if i teach my kids stuff like there will be that natural like passing of the torch where like you are going to surpass me yeah. and that's totally fine. But then this is I've even seen that with students where yeah, I'll just know that yeah. the point where there are students that will surpass me, they'll make great work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to feel like Freudian about it. Oh my God, I'm, I'm irrelevant. I'll just find another way to kind of utilize my thing. Then another thing I've kind of thought about recently this week was it's such a simple advice, piece of advice, but when you see work from other people that you like, but then if you feel really like, oh, why can I make work like that? And, oh, why is this person getting this work? And why is everyone using this style? Everyone loves this style. Why can't I get this work? Don't worry about them. Mm -hmm. Just don't worry about them at all. You're on your own path. It's totally fine. And if I tell my mid-20s version, I'd just be like, you're out of your mind. I need to make work that's like this if I'm going to get the work. But now I've seen what happens if you just stay on your path things always come back around and like styles come and go, they come and go in cycles. And, you know, this is not me being bitchy about people having styles. This is me just saying, this is what happens. Like mm. eventually if one style gets used over and over and over again, and then cheaper, cheaper versions of that style start happening. That's when clients go, right. I don't want that. I want this style, this hand drawn style, or this style that's characters or this style that's portraits. 
that's what happens. So that's why it is a long game. You should hone in on your craft, master it. And then once you've mastered it, then that's when you start going into exploring other things, you know, not to master, but just to try and understand. Mm. Um, and then you have lots of tools in your toolbox. You get to the point, you'll get to that point where you've done so much work for clients. When a client comes to you with a brief, you know what to do and you don't have to think about it. So whenever you get a creative block, we've not even talked about creative blocks. When you get a creative block and you feel like, I have no ideas, I don't know what to do. But then as soon as an email comes in, it's like, oh, I've seen some work you do. We need you to do this. And you go, yeah, cool. Do it without even thinking. You know you're in a good place. Yeah. The real creative block is when you want to work on your own thing and you don't know what to do. But when clients come in and like they ask you to do something and you just know what to do, then you know you're you're meant for this. You're it just becomes second nature. You know what clients want, but what you want takes a lot more. Of, it takes a lot more kind of like noodling to get to that. That you are your own worst client. I heard that a lot. This is this is um, this is great because it's every time um, I think about the the bettering of yourself and and you know being the son of the father, uh, obviously it works for women as well. Just saying, um, yeah. but uh, the students <laughs> this is what I'm 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 trying to say is like this is one of the reasons why I set up the podcast is because we can get knowledge from and perspective from people like yourself and guests that are older and ahead of us and hopefully install these little chips into our own brain. Yeah. Um, and then that makes I hope so. Steal it. <laughs> it's. I mean, like, if if you've got students and people like listening to podcasts like this, then you're onto a good thing because mm. it gives them it gives them a window into um, like how certain creatives think and such. I, do you know what? I'm there's there's a point sometimes where I will not listen to a podcast from a designer who's talking about his career because I've. I've heard that podcast 20 times, 30 times, yeah. and I get the pattern now. It's like self-help books. Yeah. You want, you know, there's, there's gotta be a point where you wanna listen to the designer that's gonna tell me something that I wasn't expecting, or tell you the designer that's like, um, this is how you look after yourself. Don't think about the work, just look after yourself. You know, that kind of thing. That's what I kinda of wanna to gear towards a little bit more, I think. Yeah, because like- our vision is as well. Yeah, I mean, like, I think one of my friends, you know, he says he, he prefers, to, he's, a, he's an illustrator, he says he prefers to listen to podcasts about films, about books, about things that are outside of his, his area. And I'm the same. I like listening mm. to podcasts from philosophers and I'm scientists and stuff. Like, you know, you said you listen to, like, Joe Rogan, he has interesting guests. Yeah. And I think it is kind of important. But it's good that I think, like, you know, at least Creative Waffle is a very creative podcast where you get, all sorts of designers and you know young designers and students and people tune in and they'll get like a nice fruit basket of knowledge and hopefully wisdom um so yeah so i think it's i think it is pretty vital because like when i was at college and uni you just didn't have that interaction with uh, industry people i mean john bergerman the illustrator from nottingham but he lives in new york now he influenced me to become a doodler, you know, to doodle on, on walls and stuff. And he, you know, I didn't get, I didn't even get to talk to him, but thankfully he knew how to deliver a very good lecture and that was it. That was my path. 
was like, I want to draw on walls. I want to travel to Berlin like he did. I want to travel to New York like he did and draw on like a wall in the office. And lo and behold, I got to do all that stuff. I got to work for Disney, got to work for Facebook, Tumblr, doing all their offices. And then once I hit that, I was like, what do I do? This was 2018 when I managed, when I managed to get like the Disney, the Walt Disney job. So they flew me over to Burbank at the Walt Disney Animation Studio to do the mural there. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, 2018 was a great year for me. Like it was literally like my, my dad had passed away like Christmas 2017. And I was like thinking, what's 2018 going to be like? And it was the busiest, but I, I got to fly and do all this work. And I was just like, wow, like I was just, I felt really blessed. And I just, but then I felt kind of sad after I got the Disney job. And I was like, it doesn't get any better than this. What comes after this? And that's the danger. I'd hit like my goal. I hit that goal that I set for myself like 10 years ago. And I was like, shit, what's next? I didn't think about what happens next. What do I do next? So instead of thinking about it, I was like, well, okay, just carry on and then it will come to me. And I'm still trying to work out what's next, as I mentioned before. Um, you know, once what you get like your dream time. job, what happens when you get your dream job, your dream client, and then it's done? You're like, oh, what's well, the next plan. thrill? <laughs> it's hard. It's very, very hard. Not that I'm bitching and complaining, but it's just that thing where I didn't think about what is the higher goal after that and the higher goal after that. But That's I'm not crying like goals that are so so crazy mm. this yeah it's weird i'm not that i'm not an organized person that's why i'm, I'm a really i'm a crap graphic designer and that's why i stayed with like illustration um because i just can't you know i don't organize my files i can't see that far <laughs> ahead and yeah i'm very infuriating to with if i have to do graphic design stuff it's like, oh, here's a file it's like oh it's a flat psd thank you like, oh is it i didn't notice <laughs> It's, a, it. it's loads of text and a, and a logo as a PSD. 96 DPI. Oh, I thought that's what, how you wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out blurry when printed. <laughs> it's like, oh, the print will sort it out. It's fine. But, um, yeah. I didn't notice that, to be fair. Like, when you sign over the file for the T-shirt, it's like the name of it. It's just like Creative Waffle. <laughs> the name of the file was just Creative Waffle. Like, there's no like, direction. It's quite funny. Yeah, exactly. Pretty bad stuff like that. That's why I have an agent. That's why having an agent really helps me mm. uh, yeah. to organise like that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good. We've got to wrap this up, Joe, because it's only three hours. <laughs> it's only three hours. <laughs> three hours, yeah. I haven't yeah, had dinner. Sorry, guys. No, no, <laughs> really, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's cool. No, no, no Paul, I, was, I, I think maybe the second half, I was like, oh, I'm in my groove now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that no, was good call. Really I, really, I really do think like having these long format conversations is something mm. that we don't do enough, um, especially in like we, like we talked about today's world. Um, and yeah. that's why people like Joe Rogan have been so, so successful with long form podcasts. But, mm. um, but yeah, it just opens you up because I think tomorrow we'll, you know, we're better. This is, this is better in ourselves by talking yeah. and opening ourselves up like this. Yeah, definitely. And you got onto topics that you wouldn't necessarily get onto in like a 40 minute podcast. We've, we've, mm. yeah. we've talked about things yeah. that have been on my mind for like a couple of weeks. Mark knows. Yeah. I, I've just yeah. been like overthinking things and you've actually yeah. helped me so much just to Good. clarify my position in, in life and in design. Yeah. So thank you a lot. Yeah. For that. Everything that I've tried to advise and say to you, I'm not trying to put you at ease. I'm just trying to say, <laughs> like, this is how it is. So right. 
Yeah, that wasn't me it, trying to put you at ease. So no, I no, it's just it's, uh, sometimes it's that's what you need, though. You need a reality check. Yeah, and the reality, reality is, is needed. It'll be it'll, the reality is things balance out like they do. Things always balance out, and I and I kind of think like it's good that you guys are a part of the show. It shows that you're hungry to know more. You're hungry to like go out and do good work, and you're already on the right path. You know, right. you've got your dialogues okay. and. You're already out there, especially like you're doing it in this day and age during like the pandemic, whatever you want to call it. So I think it's great. I think it's really, really good. Here you go. Hats on the back. <laughs> Where can people find you, Gio, and check you out? So yeah, so people can find me on uh, <laughs> as if people listen all the way to the end here, but that'll be pretty good. If you have, will, if you've listened all the way to the end, thank you very much. Right. If, you, if you have uh, listened all the way to the end, like leave a comment of of like yeah, uh, yeah, just say I have a parasite. Tell us. No, so, say yeah, parasite, mm. but or like <laughs> I got a load of geo. Like, there you go. But uh, people can find me. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram so under Geo Law. Uh, that's the best place to find me. I mean, you can find me on my website and stuff, but you know, go on Instagram, say hi to me, do whatever. Twitter at Get a Load of Geo. Twitter at Get a Load of Geo. God, you should be my agent as well. <laughs> uh, Twitter at Get a Load of Geo. And my website is also Get a Load of Geo at dot, dot co UK. There you go. Merchandise cool. out now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, merchandise. Nice. Yeah, keep an eye out for the merchandise and uh, buy, 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 please. When do I get my T-shirt? I should have been buying some T-shirts. So, so, so. You should be, yeah. We, when when it comes, when it arrives, we'll, we'll do another podcast, another three-hour podcast. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I'll make sure probably, I get all my stuff we didn't say. <laughs> no, we, we, we should do this in person, though. Next time we do a podcast yeah. together, it should be, we should do it in person. I'm, just, I'm up for that. Have yeah. a drink. We, we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. Nice. I can make yeah. some arrangements, pull some strings. <laughs> Uh, it's, we're going to talk to Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> talk to Johnson and, and get him to sort the country out. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. It, it was really lovely talking to you guys. Yeah, it was really lovely to chat to you. Really good. Thank nice you so podcast. much.